Deadheads, welcome to our podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Karen. And this is the Blair Witch. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. She's yeah. not right behind you. You know, go exactly. over to the corner, though, and look in the corner. Uh, no, this is the Walking Dead cast, episode 225. <laughs> and are you scared? Uh, are you alone? Me? Mm hmm. Yeah, I was. Uh, so we're covering Blair Witch today. We're also covering some Walking Dead stuff. So if you don't want to hear about Blair Witch, we'll do the Walking Dead news first, just so you know. But to answer your question, I was sitting there going, oh, I'm glad Doug is homesick today while I'm watching this because I'll have someone in the house. And about a third of the way in, Doug comes out and goes to work. I was like, damn it. <laughs> he made a sick. miraculous recovery. Yeah. <laughs> no, you don't. Dude, you don't look so good. You better go yeah, back into your room. You look sickly. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway um Man, I'll, I'll he get, your safety i'll get more into how whether how freaked out i got or not when we talk about it but okay. i just wanted to quickly say uh kind of what i already started to say that i should have said this a long time ago if you um you probably noticed but when we do episodes in the off season a lot of times we talk about stuff that has nothing to do with the walking dead <laughs> but we always do talk about walking dead stuff so if you only care about the walking dead you should still listen in because the first thing we're going to do is talk about the news about the walking dead and then uh and, and so we'll cover some stuff and so you should download every episode but uh <laughs> later on we'll talk about different subjects sometimes fairly off topic for people who just want to hear us talk about all kinds of shit that's true and usually it's things in the genre but yeah you know, we may branch out to you know kids books yeah or flowers <laughs> right just singing <laughs> la 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 we'll play a full episode of teletubbies and do a commentary <laughs> you oh, ever watch that, that? <laughs> there is no there's probably not enough money in the world to make me do that have you watched it no oh you should at should least I? watch a few minutes of it just should so I? you can see how freaking trippy it is is it it's made is... for a two-year-old mind so Interesting. it's like the sun comes up and there's a little baby face in the sun and it goes and then you just watch it for a few seconds <laughs> do two-year-olds dig it i mean did nico dig it i no i don't yeah, I don't think he really got that into it, but I I don't know. I guess some do, but it's it's pretty interesting. I've never seen anything quite like it. Anyway, we're getting way off topic right at the beginning here. Yeah, we are. So <laughs> you guys voted on Facebook whether we should watch John Carpenter's The Thing, The Blair Witch Project, or Psycho, and Blair Witch won by a pretty fair margin, um, but 
I it's such a polarizing movie. So I know some of you are like, God damn it! Uh, <laughs> a lot of people hated it, but I, I, I'm you know what I'm thinking is even if you hated it, if you've gotten this far into this episode, listen to what we say because I'm curious if we'll change your minds at all. On, on the other hand, maybe I hated it. You don't know. That's true. Maybe you hated it again, and, and the people who loved it are going to hate it after hearing this. Right. Uh, it's a big mystery. <laughs> so also. We asked you guys what else you'd want us to talk about. A couple of you had some similar ideas that I liked. Deirdre said, what else to watch? Everything seems so unsatisfying during the wait. TV, movies, <laughs> books, help. And uh, on Facebook, Rocco Draxinger said, what's your top five shows on TV? So that's what we're going to do. Our top five shows that we would recommend that you watch. We're here to help you people. Yeah, and that was a lot of fun doing that. It was. I, I kind of surprised myself a little bit. Um, also I had just had an amazing week of travel to Portland and then to Chicago for podcast movement, which is a big podcasting conference. And we were up for that award and then Walker Stalker in New Jersey, where I did a panel with John Carroll Lynch, who plays Eastman, uh, Morgan's trainer, and then another panel with Dale and Andrea. Oh, was it great? Yeah, it was. And one thing from that panel was all over the news, by the way. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So we'll get into that later. Yeah, I can't wait to hear what it was because I genuinely don't know. Okay, cool. Obvious threat to untold numbers of citizens. The people he kills get up and kill. Are they slow moving, Chief? Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. This is a Walking Deadcast news update. All right, it's the news. So first thing, this is going to be news to you, Karen, but I'm hoping you'll say yes. We, you and I, are going to do a live podcast sometime next season at a bar or some other establishment like that yeah, yeah no i'm in brother i'm in in san francisco right yeah or bay area somewhere in the bay area nice and uh we're going to sell some tickets and we're going to record it on monday night when we usually record our podcast and it's going to be like a normal walking dead cast episode where we talk about that week's episode just like we always do, except instead of listening on your phones, a bunch of you guys are going to be right there in front of us, hearing it, what? unedited. Oh, I like this. <laughs> so this is good. It's going to be good, right? And I'm thinking yeah. for the mid-season finale, uh, we can do that. But stay tuned for more details. And then, you know, instead of listener moans, groans, and grunts that we read off, we'll just have you guys say, you know, come up and be a part of it. So it'll be super fun. That does sound like fun. I can't wait. Mm -hmm. And by the way, anyone in the Bay Area that has a line on the perfect location for this shoot me an email or message me i'm jason at podcastica.com or go to facebook.com slash deadcast and message us on there that is a great idea you know and it doesn't have to be san francisco it can be anywhere in the bay area and right. come to think of it could be san jose could be san jose i guess i'd drive down there <laughs> <laughs> all right wow next <laughs> there's a new poster uh, slash image for Walking Dead season seven out. It shows all 11 characters who are in danger of getting Negan's bat. They're lined up on their knees with trucks behind them with their headlights on. They're all facing us. And Negan is facing them with his bat over his shoulder. And for some reason, half of Eugene's head is missing. So it's pretty interesting. What? I'm just kidding. <laughs> You're like, really? <laughs> <laughs> it's all bloody <laughs> sorry i didn't think you'd believe that <laughs> it's funny uh so you know it just kind of recreates the the final scene from the uh finale but um you know what 
I don't know if we missed this or forgot that we reported it, but I, I somehow I found this interview from vulture.com that was on April 4th, just after the season six finale with Jeffrey Dean Morgan, who said, quote, we will pick up directly from what we saw last night. Season seven is going to pick up right where we left off. So you're going to see who's on the end of that bat. Sorry, Karen. I was hoping it was a time jump. Yeah. And we wouldn't have to watch whoever is that. on the receiving end of that bat. If anyone wants to guest host for the <laughs> premiere episode. <laughs> I'll be curled up in a ball. <laughs> rocking right. back and forth. <laughs> is there anybody it could be that you'd be like, oh, I guess that's not so bad. One of the writers, if yeah. if, <laughs> if they tried to kill off somebody I love, then yes, that's fine. But those same writers created these characters and allowed you to love them for a limited <laughs> period of time. They're supposed to live forever. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. I've heard. I've actually heard or read some pretty confidently seeming rumors about who Negan kills. Are you going to tell us? You're going to spoil it for everybody? No. <laughs> no way. <laughs> I don't want to die. But well, uh, yeah, I don't even want to say my opinion of it because then it might give it away. Yeah. No, you shouldn't mm -hmm. say anything. I can't mm -hmm. believe that's out. Well, of course. Yeah, of course. I knew nothing, it was going to be out there. Nothing is absolutely secret these days. Yeah. Well, very, very few things. I it's mean, hard to keep secrets. That was the biggest reason why I thought after I had a, a chance to settle down of, after the initial shock <laughs> that they didn't show it after all that buildup, I thought, well, okay, it's a cliffhanger. Shows have cliffhangers, but it's going to come out in this internet age. Oh, right? yeah. It's going yeah. like to ruin it for us. We're not going to get the impact of, of, the, of it in story because this is such a huge secret that uh, everybody's going to be trying to find out who it is and you know, it's a pretty easy thing to find out. You just did you, did look you try? and see who's been filming. Um, well, you can't help. It. When I'm going through looking at news articles <laughs> yeah. for, to put in this segment that we're doing right, right. now, it's super hard <laughs> to avoid. Right. But I don't know. They could be wrong. Maybe the rumors are wrong. Or or intentionally wrong, mm -hmm. you know, intentionally misleading. They put a bunch of false information out there just to mess with people's heads. Yeah, I hope so. Because that's funny. <laughs> I'm going to edit this part out, but if it's true, what I read, I will actually be pretty satisfied. Tell me who. <laughs> you want me to tell yeah, you? Yeah, really? I do know. Okay, I'm going to look gonna, it up. You're going to save this me. Part out. Okay. Uh, that I heard, I read that it's going to be. The fuck? <laughs> Seriously? But you know what? It, 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 it could just be a false rumor. Like it wasn't totally 100% sure. You know, I'm not surprised. We'll see. We'll see. Damn. Yeah, we'll see. We'll That'll see. be fun. I'm li really looking forward to watching <laughs> some of my favorite people get their heads bashed in. That'll be awesome. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> You're not sorry. It's a, hor it's a horror show. I mean, I don't know. I feel. I feel like I. I don't know. I. I, I mean, I feel bad that. Because I think this show is what it is, and yes, and you know, there's going to be a lot of gory death on this show. There always has been, and there always will be. And so I feel bad that you're not enchanted with that. I'm like, oh, Karen's, Karen's bummed out with this whole thing. You know, I don't like that. I, you know, I am, but hopefully they'll move on fairly quickly. Hopefully it won't be a whole episode of it happening. Mm -hmm. Hopefully it'll be short. 
and they'll move on. <laughs> that would be nice. There'll be other deaths. <laughs> you know what? Oh, I'm totally going to okay. okay, leave good. this in, and but just beep out the names. <laughs> yeah, It'll you should. <laughs> you should. That's hilarious. Okay. <laughs> All right. Next, there's a Kickstarter for a new Walking Dead board game from Cryptozoic that makes all kinds of fun toys and games and things. <coughs> it's called The Walking Dead No Sanctuary. It's, quote, an intense two to four player board game. The game redefines the survival horror genre with gameplay that emulates the group dynamics from the series. As one player takes on the reins of leadership and the other players can decide whether or not to support his or her choices. With every defied decision, trust can decrease and stress and tension can increase, diminishing group morale and placing all the survivors in serious danger. Doesn't that sound like so Where they fun? get their heads bashed in. Right. Wait. <laughs> Each player must balance his or her own motivations, uh, her own motivations, which cannot be shared with the others, with the needs of the group, making survival much more complex than simply mowing down countless numbers of the dead. And then at the end, you actually kill each other. <laughs> Yay! It sounds it it sounds interesting and fun and also super stressful. Yes. <laughs> you know, yes. with those games like that, you got to play with the right people. Yeah, because exactly. people can get really aggro about games like that if they lose. It, right. You know, I'm not I'm not a very competitive person, so I think I would pretty much early on just say, you know what, I give up. I give. <laughs> I give. Who needs my resources? <laughs> <laughs> I've never been in. I've never played board games with you. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think we have. Yeah. That's weird. Interesting. You're, you're like a you're a game guy. I can get pretty competitive, but if I'm losing, I'm not going to get all pissy about it. Good. That's nice. That's, yeah. That speaks well of your character. At least I think, you know, we don't always see ourselves clearly, but that's what I, <laughs> I think. Anyway, this looks like a beautiful game. It has highly detailed miniatures of all the characters, and I'll put a link in the show notes, but you can also go on Kickstarter and search for Walking Dead No Sanctuary. And there's about 16 days to go as of this recording. If nothing else, it'd be awesome to have little miniatures of all the characters. Yeah. Cool. Cute. Emmy nominations just came out. Yeah, they did. Walking Dead got nominated for Outstanding Special Visual Effects in a Supporting Role. <laughs> sounds weird, right? That like, sounds remote. Like they mashed two awards yes. together. Yes. <laughs> like the special effects were the supporting like, character? Yeah, there was Shrek was in it or something. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, okay. It's up against eleven twenty two sixty three, Better Call Saul, Hannibal, and Sherlock. And huh. outstanding prosthetic makeup, which makes more sense. Yep, that up does. Up against All the Way, American Horror Story, Game of Thrones, and Penny Dreadful. Ooh, Game of Thrones has some good um, makeup and prosthetics. Those giants oh. are so good. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I, think, mm. I, think, I don't think Walking Dead's going to win because, well, maybe it will. They, they did a pretty awesome job with the zombies this year, as you mentioned. They did. Yeah. And... One one, the giant. You just reminded me. One mm, one. What's wrong with one one? He's fine. He's fine. He's he. <laughs> you know what though? I, he's just lonely because are there any giant ladies around? Like two two. <laughs> <laughs> one one needed needs a two two. Needs a two two. Um, <laughs> and then uh, Talking Dead with Chris Hardwick was nominated for outstanding interactive program. Nice. And uh, there's like 3,475 Emmy categories, but only a few oh get shown God. on the award show. And then Flight 462 got 
nominated for Best Actress in a Short Form Series and Best Short Form Series. Oh, no kidding. What are they up against? Do you know? I didn't write that down, but I I don't know. I doubt they'll win. Huh. <laughs> 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 Maybe Best Actress. She was pretty awesome. Uh, Fear the Walking Dead got nothing. Mm. <laughs> Too bad. How about Ash versus Evil Dead? I don't, I didn't. You'd think it would be in one of these that I just read, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, it's not getting enough attention. It needs to because it's fabulous. Yeah, totally. I was yep. just listening back to some of our Ash versus Evil Dead podcasts, uh-huh. and uh, I, I don't know why. I was just like, were those any good? Let me check. And I, I was just going to listen to a little bit. And I ended up listening to a couple of them, really enjoying it. Um, uh-huh. Because it's so much fun to talk about that show because it's so different. <sighs> Than Walking Dead. I mean, yes. you know, I like both, but it's it's just a different... A whole ex- different thing. Yeah, it's just more like jokey and stuff. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a palate cleanser. Okay, so stuff, as I mentioned, that came out on this panel I moderated with Lori Holden and Jeffrey DeMunn was in the news. Uh, she, she said that she was contracted for eight seasons on The Walking Dead. Oh, really? She said, quote, well, I had an eight year deal. I was supposed to be there until the end. I was supposed to end up with Rick. I was supposed to save Woodbury on a horse and I was buying a house in Atlanta. (gasps) I got the call at 10 o'clock the night before while I was shooting from the showrunner who's no longer a part of The Walking Dead. It's Glenn (gasps) Mazzara. She kept referring to him as the showrunner at the time and things like that, saying (sighs) that they couldn't write the episode and that he was killing my character. So when we all got the script, everybody was on set sobbing. I felt like I got shot. None of it was supposed to happen the way it did. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Wait, that came out on your panel. Yeah. And you know what? In my experience with her, she's never been shy about expressing that she wasn't happy with how that all went down. Yeah. Um, I think the way that got reported, it really felt like she was just like so pissed off. But the fact is... The panel, she was really in a good mood and she uh-huh. loves Jeffrey DeMunn and they were enjoying each other. And she she and I kind of know, know each other a little bit. So she trusts me. And it was just like, hey, let's just be honest and say how we really feel, you know? Yeah. That's what it was. But it, it might have oh. come off a little more caustic than, than it really was. You know, it was just a really good, enjoyable panel, actually. Yeah. Wow, that's fascinating. Is she still doing the rescue stuff that she was doing before? I think so. She did talk about it and she got choked up. And yeah, she helps um, save kids around the country that are being sold into sex slavery. Yeah, uh, trafficking. Yeah, and she's part of this documentary where they would go in undercover and try to get these guys. Yeah. Yeah. So she, she's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed that too. And even Jeffrey DeMunn, he, I don't know if this was reported in any of these articles, but he flat out said on this panel, he didn't like how his friend Frank Darabont was let go and he quit in protest. And I know that was speculated on, but I don't know wow. if he ever said that before. So he was, he's just not the kind of guy that will bullshit. Like I asked, you know, she, uh, Lori Holden obviously still has a special place in her heart for Walking Dead, and yeah. I said to Jeffrey, "Does it still does it hold that for you compared to the other stuff you've done?" And he goes, "Well, no. I mean, I like them all. You know, he wasn't about <laughs> to lie and say yes. Right. So I thought that was pretty awesome. It's great. Good guy. Yeah. 
Okay, next. A few actors on The Walking Dead have been bumped up to series regulars. Um, I guess, yeah, If you you might consider this spoilery, some people. So let me do the, the, the last item first, which is not spoilery. The Walking Dead attraction at Universal Studios officially opens to the public. Now Yay. it's open. And we're going. Yeah, we are. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait. Yeah, that's going to be fun. September, late September, right? Yeah, September 22nd. You and David. That'll be a blast. Yep. And then, so this last one might be a little bit spoilery because it tells who are going to be series regulars. So you should move ahead if you don't want to hear that. So it is Jeffrey Dean Morgan, Negan, Tom Payne, who's Jesus. Oh, good. Yeah. Great. Austin Emilio, who's Dwight, and Xander Berkeley, who's Gregory of Hilltop. Oh, yeah, yeah. Remind me, who's Dwight? Dwight is the one who shot Denise in the eye and got his face burned somehow. He's one of the saviors. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Skinny guy. He, Austin Emilio, in person, is really dry and funny and a great guy. <laughs> and uh, uh, all, I'm, all these guys, I think, are great. Jeffrey Dean Morgan. So I'm stoked. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Great. All right, that's it for the news. Now it's time to talk about our awesome new sponsor. This sponsor is literally changing my life. And that is Depends. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a hard couple weeks. (laughs) Just kidding. That Blair Witch scared the shit out of me. Thank God for Depends. I hope Blue Apron doesn't mind being lumped into this bad joke, but it's Blue Apron. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I, they are changing my life and I love them. And um, what Blue Apron is, in case you don't know, is for less than $10 a meal, they deliver seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients that you can use to make delicious home-cooked meals. Um, yeah, so they have like deals with different farmers and so uh-huh. they can prepare all their crops to be delivered just in time during the right season and be really fresh and great ingredients for you to cook with. Which is awesome. Yep. Uh, one of my favorites I made just a couple of days ago was crispy cod and summer squash. And, you know, over the years I've cooked some, but never enough to really get the hang of it. I mean, when I do uh-huh. it, I'm okay. But um, this has been really fun. And I'm going to just describe a little bit of how I made this. So you heat, you boil up some quinoa. You have a, you mince some garlic. You smash it and chop it all up. And then you have squash that you cut up and you put mm-hmm. mustard vinegar and the garlic paste into the into a bowl and marinate the squash into it Yum. with some olive oil. It's so good. And then while that's marinating, you crack an egg into a bowl and some flour and some breadcrumbs in, in separate bowls. And then you take these cod fillets and you dry them off and then you put it in the flour first and then you dip it in the egg and then in the breadcrumbs. It's got this nice bread around it. And then you uh, cook it with olive oil in a pan and it's really tasty. <laughs> it sounds really good. Did, have, uh, did you share it with Jenny? She's in Alaska for two weeks. So oh. it's just me and Nico. And uh, Dougie, so sh- did you give sh- some to Dougie? Shared it with him. I was going to, but I was like, I'm going to save this for lunch tomorrow. 
<laughs> so I saved it for my lunch. <laughs> sorry, Dougie. You know, that's the thing. Arugula and almonds too, by the way. Sorry. Oh my mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. Which is great. I, they put arugula um, with almonds and an uh, amazing vinaigrette that I made um, in one of my boxes. So good. Their portions are really generous. So yeah. uh, I was thinking about uh, the other day I made an eggplant tangine and it was so good. I actually, David was traveling again, and I had it for two dinners and two lunches. And it was, that's four, it's only supposed to have be two servings, but the servings are really, really, really generous. So I that's actually awesome. had it for four meals. So really it was around, it was less than $5 a meal for me, which is unbelievably great for the quality that, the food is and the it, it they don't they don't you know skimp on anything they mm-hmm. don't they don't cut corners in any way you have like you get everything um, you need yeah. you do you even have really like good. you know the little toppings on top mm-hmm. and oh it's so good it's you really feel like easy a, yeah and you feel like a professional chef it's pretty great yeah and the recipes are tasty but also healthy and so it's just perfect so here's some meals available in july spinach and basil pesto gnocchi how do you say that gnocchi gnocchi gnocchi, gnocchi. With summer squash green beans and fresh mozzarella there's spiced pork, pork tacos with avocado pickled onion and elote style corn or summer vegetable pizza with garlic lemon broccolini yum broccolini so really good so you can check out this week's menu and you get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash deadcast. That's B-L-U-E-A-P-R-O-N dot com slash deadcast. So that's an awesome deal. I highly recommend that you guys who have been thinking about cooking or just getting tired of, you know, having to do all the work yourself, check that out. You'll love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. That's blueapron.com slash deadcast. Thanks, Blue Apron. Thank you. All right, now it's time for Blair Witch, which I saw in the theater years ago before any of, before most people saw it, but I was, they had this whole marketing thing on the web because they really wanted to make it like it was actually found footage. Mm Mm-hmm. And so there was a lot of the witch's backstory on the web with information about these supposed docu- young documentary filmmakers that went missing. And and so, you know, it was really fun to... At, at first, you wonder if it's real. Uh-huh. And they, <laughs> that was completely that. intentional. And then you go to the movie. And after the movie is over, my friend Dan was still like, that was, that was real, right? And I, I, I sort of made fun of him, but there was at least a small part of me that was like, I'm pretty sure it's not real. <laughs> <laughs> well, they didn't have closing credits back then. They didn't put the closing oh, credits yeah. or opening credits. So it launched right into the movie and it, it still launches right in. It doesn't have any opening thing, except it has like a little disclaimer. This is found footage. Right. Uh, and... Um, at the end uh, of the movie's release, the theatrical release, it didn't have any closing credits either. At least I don't think it did. And now it does. But back then it didn't. It was freaky. I had the exact same experience you did, except I didn't see it with Dan. Uh, <laughs> I went right that, that opening week and word of mouth and I went to go see it and um, I, it ruined me for running in the woods by myself <laughs> early in the morning. <laughs> So, um, you know, 
There were definitely some annoying things about the movie. The arguing went on too long and the camera was too shaky. And you might say there wasn't really enough of a story arc or whatever. But uh, I loved it back then. And watching it today, I loved it again. Mm-hmm. And and back then I loved it because we hadn't seen anything like that before. And I'm always a sucker for trying something different and new. And I don't like it when we always we get so into the groove of how a story arc should be or a character development or even a horror movie should be. And then everything is the same, you know? I mean, I love the Marvel movies, but there's a lot of samey kind of stuff coming yeah, out. You know? right. So when something takes a sharp left turn like this did, and I think, and I'll tell you why as we go along, it, it has does it to great effect. I'm like, yeah, that is freaking cool. <laughs> I completely agree. It was a whole new kind of thing. And part of one of the reasons why I loved it, uh, like I haven't seen it since the movie. I mean, I've seen it that it's been on television, but I couldn't bring myself to watch it because I was was so, yeah, because I was so traumatized the first time I saw it. I'm like, no, I, I just can't do that to myself. So it was hard for me to see it again. And when you told me, oh, we're going to be watching The Blair Witch, I was like, oh, God, Uh no, I can't put myself through this trauma again. And I tried to, I started last Sunday uh, when David was traveling, I started to watch it and it was morning, right? So it's morning, David's gone, I'm sitting down, I'm like, okay, it's 10 a.m. I can watch this thing. I got 10 minutes in and I was like, nope. (laughs) <laughs> I had to wait to see it until David came back. Yeah, yeah. that's the, the kind of chicken that I am. Uh, well, uh, let's see. We I like to do a little um, general talk before we get into spoilers. So if you guys are on the fence about this, um, it's it's a found footage movie. It's one of the first. It's definitely the first one that really struck in a big way. And it's uh, it's more about creating a feeling of what the hell is going on and and the tension around that than it is. Yeah. That's kind of what it's about. So I would definitely recommend checking it out if you're, if you're at all curious and keep in mind that, you know, they've kind of developed this whole found footage thing since then, but this is one of the first big examples of it. So I'm going to go ahead and start talking about details a little bit because. Sorry, uh, I didn't mean to interrupt, Uh, but then go away uh, watch the film, come back and, and pick up our podcast at this yeah, point. Yeah, listen. <laughs> we'll be waiting. Beep. <laughs> so um, I was not as scared as I thought I was going to be. I mean, I was engaged for sure. I was not bored. But uh, I, thankfully, I wasn't as freaked out as when I first saw it. Maybe it'll come over me over the next couple of days because I think it kind of did back then. But uh, <laughs> when I really did start getting freaked out was at the very end when they found the house. Yes. I was like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> and we know something very, very bad goes down there. Even just just the whole scene was as like, this is bad. <laughs> this, this is bad is really news. Bad. They're freaking out. They're in this dilapidated place where we know probably tons of people have been killed. Little kids, handprints yeah. Bloody on the handprints. Oh, my God. But one thing I love about this movie is there's a lot of creepy stuff being talked about and shown but it's mostly hinting at 
really dark things and you don't see hardly anything yes. so it's all almost all in the imagination except for that bag of bloody teeth and hair <laughs> right <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah it's, it's in the imagination and that made it, it uh, there's like two different kinds of people some people see this and they go i don't get it at all you were scared by that and then other people like me are like that's the scariest thing exactly do you remember when we saw ira glass years yeah. ago and when he first came out, the stage was completely dark. Even though he was there, you could see kind of a silhouette of him, but uh -huh. he didn't have them bring up the lights. And he talked for 10 minutes, and he said um, he was talking about how radio is the most visual medium. And I was like, oh, my God, he's absolutely oh, yeah, right. yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah because you're, you're – figuring it out in your head and you're you're illustrating it in your head and it's why i'm addicted to reading it's all up in my head i know exactly what things look like so the fact that you don't see the witch you don't have to see the witch because it not seeing the witch i know exactly what she looks like we got we got some descriptions mm. of her i mean i know exact in my head she's this amorphous um uh big bad that I'm super glad we never actually saw him. I mean, I think actually, I'm not sure I agree with what you're saying because, you know, when Ira Glass paints a picture, it can be pretty vivid. But the thing about the Blair Witch is you really don't know what the hell, like you True. hear Josh screaming, I don't know what's going on. That's vivid, man. I'm like, that could be uh, anything. No. <laughs> I actually have a theory about it. He could what? he could be running around lost. He could be being tortured by a witch. It could be actually the witch, you know, who's mimicking his voice. It's not painting a vivid picture. It's a big unknown mystery, which is really scary. That's a good point. <laughs> that is a good point. By the way, was it Josh who ended up in the corner? No, facing? that was Mike. Oh. Do you want me to tell you my theory of the yeah, ending? Yeah, I okay. do. Actually, I kind of stole this from online, but it, it makes a lot of sense. So okay. we heard this story from these two really funny fishermen who <laughs> gave each other shit. I love it, yeah, actually. About Rustin Parr, who yeah. in the 40s killed a bunch of kids. And he said that the ghost witch made him do it. Right. And he would bring them into his house in pairs and make one stand with his back turned as he killed the other one. Then he would <sighs> kill that first one. So... I think that's the witch's MO. And so what happened was Josh, I think Josh was the one that kicked over that pile of rocks. Uh-huh. Which every time, you know, I I even back then I was like, "Oh, you shouldn't have done that." Don't <laughs> kick the don't kick the Karen, man. Yeah. Don't kick the Karen. And and uh and it just seemed like a bad idea. Yes. And then then he got his stuff slimed. Uh-huh. So he was singled out. Yes. And maybe it was because he kicked that over. Who knows? Then he disappears. And so when he was screaming that first night, uh -huh. it's possible he was he was possessed by the witch and he was actually pulling his own teeth out and hair. Oh, God. <laughs> and then, uh, the, you know, a couple nights later, they're, they're at the house. They hear him calling Heather, Mike and saying other stuff. Maybe he was possessed. Maybe he was luring them down into the basement. Oh, just like Rustin Parr. Just like Rustin Parr. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Because we don't see him, right? We only no. see Mike. We don't see anything. Yeah, yeah. We only see Mike, yeah. 
And then and then something hits Heather and she drops the camera and that's the sideways angle at the very yeah. end. And <gasps> that happened so fast. I remember when I first saw it, I was like, oh, what what happened? What did we what just happened? see? <laughs> wait, wait, what happened? <laughs> Nothing. We don't know. We don't know, but somebody found that tape. <laughs> oh, God. And, and edited everything together very nicely. Right. Just the two <laughs> filmmakers. I want to talk a little bit about the process of making this film yeah but i've been talking a lot so why don't you pick something interesting about it well okay so i'm gonna lead up to that and i'm gonna talk about how i like the um you were talking about how they're making it sort of this recovered footage idea yeah and i i love that it's recovered footage it's such it's so clever and i like that at that at that era we didn't carry around cell phones, I don't think. So it makes no. sense that these kids are out. Not many people, anyway. Not many people, mm-hmm. right, right. So it makes sense that these guys went out with, they just had a map, right? For a while, until the yeah. asshole Mike kicked it into the river. Kicked it in the river. Fucking hated him after he did that. You know, I was annoyed with Heather, but then when it turned out Mike did that, I was like, you need to die. (laughs) (laughs) So it all seems completely plausible and that they're, you know, film students, they're doing this documentary and it seems perfectly plausible. And these and when I saw it, I was around their age. And so it seemed like. It seemed like, oh, hey, that could that could be me, you know, because yeah. it's kind of fascinating. So they're two all dopey very... kind of bro dudes. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. It was very relatable. Yeah, I'm going to talk about why, for some people who just think, ah, this movie was annoying and there was nothing to it. I think it it seems simple and thin, but that that's really deceptive. Because mm-hmm. here's what they did: they started off. With these kids, they're kids, and, you know, hearing everyone in the town talking about the Blair Witch with their different stories, but the stories are very different from one another, and they just kind of feel like the ghost stories that our listeners told a few episodes ago when we had our scariest thing that ever happened to you. (laughs) Right. You know, there's the guys that got mutilated on that rock, or... um that woman who talked about the presence of this woman next to her that had fur all over her oh, fur yeah. on her hands and stuff. Yeah. Uh, just r- creepy stories that are very unsettling and you're still in the mood like, well, they're in civilization so everything's okay, but that's kind of working on your subconscious. Like, yeah, we all have heard stories like that. We all know stories like that, that creep us out. So it's sort of cultivating this feeling of dread in us or, you know, spookiness. Yeah. Then once they get out into the woods, it's pretty clear. I don't know if Mike and Josh knew each other very well, but they don't really know each other all that well. They don't know Heather for one thing. And she's pretending to be confident, but she's kind of annoying and she's getting them lost and she cares more about the filming than them. So immediately there's a conflict between them all and they're really unstable with each other and they're in an unfamiliar environment. So with this foundation of creepiness that they build up and now they're in a situation, unfamiliar place, don't trust each other that, that, <laughs> getting uh, creeped out. <laughs> that, that just creates this super intense in me sense of unease 
And then as thing, then on top of that, those are the two elements, the creepy story. And then the characters don't know each other or trust each other. They're in an unfamiliar situation. Then they start encountering this creepy shit like the piles of rocks, but it slowly ramps up to weirder and weirder. Like all of that together just creates this feeling of, oh my God, I'm like totally freaked out right now. And then on top of that, the actors who are all named after their real names, they I'll t- I'll talk more about how this all got put together, but just briefly, they all got GPS units and each day they'd go find their new notes for the day and they were improv- improvisational actors. So they didn't have a script. They just had the situations. So they didn't really know what was going to happen from day to day. And they didn't know they were going to come out and find those rocks. They didn't She Heather didn't know she was going to find right. the teeth. They were not fed as much as they should have been. Uh So they actually were being fucked with just like the characters in the movie were being fucked with. So that lent a sense of realism and and dread to it all. All of that together. You know, you can't say this is a thin, simplistic, nothing movie. It's genius, I think. (laughs) It really is. And they, by the way, they were sleep deprived as well. So yeah, yeah, yeah. um, the directors fucked with them at night <laughs> yeah. so that they made sure that they didn't get a lot of sleep. And right. during the day, they moved around a lot. So they're hiking and hiking and hiking and hiking. And that's real, apparently. They're hiking. They're yeah. hiking. They're not getting a lot of sleep. They're not getting a lot of food. They're getting power bars and bananas. Right. And they and when they do get the notes, they don't know what the other person's notes say. Right, right. So they don't so, really know if they can... Like when Mike... Uh, he was told to get rid of that map. So he kicked it into the river and he thought that they saw him, but they didn't. So he decided to keep it to himself until just the right moment, which he picked a perfect <laughs> moment. You know, he's yes. kind of laughing maniacally and <laughs> worked right. out really well. So when Heather is protesting, I don't know, I had the map. I think the actress is probably going, I did have the map. I don't know what happened to it. <laughs> yeah, know? exactly. Exactly. One of you guys probably took it, you assholes. And then he's like, I'm going to have to, you know, I'm going to have to check your pants. And I'm like, oh, this is a crunchy moment. <laughs> yeah. I had forgotten about that. And then all of a sudden, yeah, Mike's like, well, I kicked it. Into yeah. Him. But he didn't even say it in that moment. He he was like, I don't know. Where is it? <laughs> uh, but I, don't, I also don't want to give short shrift to just how how great their ideas were for making things creepy one of the creepiest is just in the middle of the night out in the woods hearing kids laughing yeah (laughs) yeah that's creepy yeah and then having the hands rustling on the side of the tent yep yep seeing those stick figures oh waking waking up in the morning and you have you have carefully piled rocks yeah. in front three rock uh, when i saw that part i was like i'm not sure if i can keep one yeah it's getting very it's creepy, scary yeah or <laughs> hearing weird like firecracker sounds or branches snapping and they're she says they're all around yeah you know yeah you don't quite know what it is i mean they did really good use of sound in this movie just yes. creepy sounds yeah and lighting and uh, I mean, it was all shot on those two cameras by by those actors. The d- yeah. directors didn't film anything except, I think, in the town before they go. Maybe I, I think I yeah. think there's a there's a little bit in the town that's not filmed by one of the actors. It's a really interesting way to make a movie: is you set up all the conditions for it, but then the movie kind of makes itself. Yeah, within those parameters, you know. All right. 
Right. It's kind of how I feel when I write up an agenda for a podcast that you and David are going to be hosting. And then I wake <laughs> up in the morning and there it is. There it is. Oh, <laughs> this was the podcast. Huh. Cool. <laughs> let's see how oh, let's yeah. see how funny or not funny they ended up being. <laughs> what Any dumb thing arguments? did Karen say? <laughs> no. I love those. <laughs> so let's see. So it was developed by Daniel Merrick and Eduardo Sanchez in 1993. They realized that they found documentaries on paranormal phenomenon scarier than traditional horror films, so they decided to make a film that combined the styles of both. It started with a 35-page outline. They advertised uh, in a magazine for actors with improvisational skills. There were 2,000 that showed up, and they did a quick audition process to winnow it down. Uh, they developed mythology using a lot of different inspirations, like some names are near anagrams. Ellie Kedward is the witch's name, is Edward Kelly, a 16th century mystic. Hmm. Rustin Parr began as an anagram for Rasputin. Oh. Um, they Filming began in October 97 and lasted eight days, mostly in Seneca Creek State Park in Montgomery County, Maryland. And uh, some of the townspeople interviewed were not actors. Some were planted actors unknown to the main cast. And wow. uh, let's see. Do Heather Donahue had never operated a camera before. And some people might say that's obvious. But she spent two <laughs> days in a crash course. <clears throat> wow. And they were given during filming. They were given clues to their next location through messages given in milk crates found in global positioning satellite systems. They were given individual instructions. Uh, the teeth were obtained from a Maryland dentist for use as human re remains. Ew. And it was influenced by producer Greg Hale's memories of his military training in which, quote, enemy soldiers would hunt a trainee through wild terrain for three days. Oh, good Lord. Yeah. Like you said, they moved him far during the day, harassed them at night and deprived them of food. They, they had almost 19 hours of uh, usable footage recorded down to 90 minutes. Oh, wow. Like eight months. And yeah, they had all that crazy marketing to make it seem real. It's at, at Sundance. Yeah, it was played at Sundance. The filmmakers thought it would be a cable show. They didn't even know it was going to be in the movies. But the test screenings were getting good responses. So it got bigger and bigger. Yep. They said we wouldn't use that shaky camera if we knew it was going to be on the big screen. <laughs> That's <laughs> funny. And uh, how successful what did it end up being? Well, for one thing, USA Today said that it was the first movie to go, quote, viral, despite existing before many of the technologies that help things go viral. That was, I remember that too. It just felt like a viral phenomenon. Um, when photography first wrapped, approximately $20,000 to $25,000 had been spent on the movie. After research, uh, reshoots and different things, new sound mix experiments with different endings and other changes made by the studio, the film's final budget ended up between $500,000 and $750,000. And then it ended up grossing $248,639,000 worldwide. Wow. And I, I wonder how up to date that number is because I mean, it still yeah, has to make money. Right. I don't know. I get a I'm getting a lot of this off Wikipedia, but I don't know if it's updated. Wow, that's amazing. And and it has a sequel, a terrible sequel. Oh, yeah. And I just was watching an interview with one of the directors, and he said the studio really wanted to rush to do a sequel to capitalize on the interest. They asked the two filmmakers originally to be involved, but when they got the treatments, they didn't like it, 
and they said so and they wanted to have more time to develop something cooler but they the studio just wanted to get it done so the filmmakers weren't involved creatively anymore it was a new crew and he he, he said it felt like it was being developed by committee oh, which <laughs> sounds like a real recipe for success i know so <laughs> such a squandered opportunity oh my god I did want to talk about, I thought there were some really funny moments, uh, not super funny, but kind of funny. Let's hear um, it. <laughs> like three days in Heather's after they've been yelling at each other about, you know, the maps in the river and, and they don't, they obviously don't know which direction on the compass to go. Heather says into her recorder, I think it's safe at this point to say that we're lost. <laughs> <laughs> You, you, you know, that is funny, actually. Without any trace of irony. You're right. <laughs> uh, the two fishermen. Ah, you're full of it. <laughs> they were great. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just the dudes acting like stoner bros half the time, at, yes. especially in the beginning. Yep. And then when they saw all the stick figures hanging from the trees, and Mike says, uh, This is no redneck. No redneck is this creative. <laughs> <laughs> That was pretty oh funny. Oh my god. That was a scary moment though. It was. It freaked me. But I love that they'd been yelling at her for so long about stop filming and then then just for that moment they were kind of okay with it cuz they're like, "Okay, we actually found something." Yeah, this is pretty crazy. But then they got uh you know, upset. Heather, put it away. Yeah. Let's get out of here. Which just that whole thing, you know, these days I think it seems much more natural to film all the time back mm-hmm. then it wasn't so much so it was a more conspicuous thing to do where people would think it was weird you know right. why are you filming this but now maybe not so much and we've had the benefit of ha- of having seen paranormal activity and we know that um uh, evil hates being filmed hates it yeah don't hates it you're just gonna <laughs> aggravate the evil by the way to me the scariest part of this whole movie was that like laws of physics seem to be warped in the woods. They were going in circles and they had a compass. How is yeah. that possible? I know. And and the fact that they couldn't escape their fate and they kept yeah. walking and walking and walking. They just and walking. like willingly went right into the spider's web and then they couldn't get out. And they couldn't get out. And then they were just, just yeah, that is exactly what uh-huh. happened. They walked into a spider's web and they were caught. And and you can see when she does her confession in the tent that one night. Yeah, iconic scene. That's the most iconic scene scene from the movie, yeah. We're being hunted. And she knows they're being played. She didn't know that the film was, the camera was so tight in on her face. She thought she was getting her whole face. Really? Yeah, but I think it turned out really good, right? Yeah, oh yeah. It's... (laughs) Is you she looks in every way absolutely terrified in a way that I don't think an actor can achieve. I mean, maybe a. I mean, this is like the ultimate in method, right? Yeah, yeah. She, I think yeah, you got to be kind of disheveled to do that good of a job with <laughs> genuinely it. Genuinely freaked the fuck out. Well, the two filmmakers they are still in contact with the actors. They oh, email yeah? occasionally. Yeah. Um, Mike is a teacher of acting and he had, you know, Eduardo Sanchez Skype in and help teach one of his classes. Oh, that's awesome. So I don't think they hate them for that or anything. No. Although Heather, because no one liked her, got a lot of shit after that and Aww. found it hard to find work. And Aww. so it was rough for her. 
she said she based her role on a director that she had worked with as a as an actor. Yeah. Uh, that the director always seemed really confident when things were going okay, but as soon as they started going wrong, she got really disheveled, you know? Yeah, so right. She, so she was playing a role, you know? You yeah. Give, give this girl a break. She's an actress. But she ended up being a pot grower, and oh. she wrote a book called Grower Girl. Whoa. <laughs> Fascinating. I want to see it. Is it on Amazon? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I want to check it out. So I've heard that they're, um, the original filmmakers are thinking about maybe doing a prequel, which would be set in the uh, late 1700s. And it would be when this witch was on trial for witchcraft. They have been talking about that ever since Blair Witch came out. Wow. And apparently Lionsgate owns Blair Witch. And uh-huh. these guys, I, I was watching this interview with one of them. He seems like this really had kind of, um, it was a lot of attention all at once and it kind of phased him, you know? He, yeah. They, they, and people were looking to him like he was a genius for a while and right. it was a lot of pressure. And so, I don't know. I feel like it kind of threw him off his game or something. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know if they'll do it, but it would be cool. They should give it a shot. I would like it, please. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's hear what you guys thought about it. We got so, some listener comments. We did. The first one's from Mads Thompson, who writes, still scares the shit out of me. My favorite horror movie that's filmed with handheld camera. Christian Moran says, terrible, terrible movie. So much throw up. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Elizabeth Tolstoy says, hell no. Didn't even want to watch it the first time. Absolutely a bleep <laughs> shite Juliet Wood says I remember seeing this with a guy friend at the time and we were very shook up afterwards we were teenagers and we went to steak and shake afterwards <laughs> I remember him trying to lighten the mood by making up a small bundle of their famously tiny fries and then covering them with ketchup oh like the twigs of the movie <laughs> it doesn't seem like I would lighten any mood operative word is trying to lighten it <laughs> John Tyler writes, I hated that movie with a burning passion. I was hoping the witch would end them five minutes in. It was so annoying. I didn't know how anyone could be drawn into their world. See, polarizing. <clears throat> polarizing. Ian Wright, watched this one night and then went to work the next night. Was doing a delivery into a shed <gasps> in the country. Couldn't find the light switch. And since it was only a couple of cartons, just kicked the door open and stepped in. Pitch black, except for a bit of moonlight coming through the window <sighs> at the back of the shed. Must have been a homeless fella sleeping in there. He stood up and was silhouetted against the window. I screamed. He screamed. <laughs> I threw the cartons at him and my feet didn't touch the ground halfway across the car park. Bloody film shook me up. Never saw the homeless man again. Hopefully I didn't hurt him. Oh, that's so <laughs> sad. <laughs> what was he delivering? To a shed. Hopefully it was some good Chinese food. <laughs> right, right. Oh, maybe once the homeless guy um, calmed down from being screamed at, he was like, oh, okay, well, at least there's Chinese food. Some Kung Pao. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Hibbard writes, I've always thought that when Hollywood does the same thing over and over, people will complain. But when a filmmaker does something new and unorthodox, people complain twice as much. Blair Witch was my first example of that. Hmm. <laughs> Tia Chimiak says, I agree with Karen. Scariest movie ever. I saw it in the theater and couldn't get that last scene out of my head for days. <laughs> How come when you and I say the same thing, people just say they agree with you? But Is not that me. true? I don't know. 
Huh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I feel I feel exactly the opposite. I feel like oftentimes it's like Karen's a dummy. When we say different things, they disagree with you. (laughs) (laughs) Richard Davenport writes, this movie scared the bejesus out of me. And I don't scare easily. A friend of mine gave me a bootleg copy back in 1999 and swore it was real. I hadn't heard anything about it. And when I watched it, I really thought it was real. Wow, that is scary. (laughs) Yeah, a bootleg of this thing that already seems like. It's, you know, a bootleg. Yeah. It's a pretty good idea. Your friend's awesome. <laughs> He's actually brilliant and yeah. mean. Really, really <laughs> yeah. mean. Creatively cruel. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's it for Blair Witch. Awesome. Glad we watched that again. I'm glad it, it, I don't know if I would say it held up, but it was, it was a joy for me to revisit. Yeah. Me too. It ended up being that way. And and talking about it with you has been therapeutic. So thanks. <laughs> sure. Let's talk about Nature Box. <sighs> Let's do that. A, na- a nice palate cleanser. If only the, these young documentary filmmakers would have had a Nature Box out there. Then they would be like, yay, peanut yay. butter nom noms. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're probably like me. I'm a snacky girl. And I always have been. And I work in cubicle land in an office where there's an abundance of baked goods and donuts every Friday and a shortage of healthy alternatives. And that's why I really love Nature Box. If you're like me and you're trying to resist Donut Fridays, Nature Box (laughs) has a snack for you. So Nature Box makes over 100 ridiculously delicious snacks that are made with better for you ingredients Simply choose the snacks that you want and they're delivered right to you. And they have this neat system on their website. You can pick categories based on all kinds of criteria. It's so cool if you want like dried snack- fruit, chips. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or if you want like low calorie, high calorie, if you Savory. want mm-hmm. well, high protein, uh, low salt. I mean, all the categories are there. It's so cool. And it helps me avoid the junky temptations in my office. In fact, just yesterday, true story, I was in a meeting where they brought out boxes of ice cream sandwiches. And normally, ice cream is my Achilles heel. But it was actually really easy for me to go back to my desk and get my little bag, my resealable bag of peanut butter nom noms in my desk. And you know what? I actually felt great because I was eating something delicious and healthy. And it was not an empty calorie bomb. So it was just the perfect thing. So they also believe that you shouldn't eat something that you don't like. So if you try a snack and you don't like it, Nature Box will replace it in your next box for free. They'll give you the same one back? <laughs> Here, try it again. <laughs> just keep this eating this until you like it. <laughs> trying it. No, you can get something else that you uh, want. Cool. And, and you can't do that with other snacks. So No. Try taking your Twinkies back down right. the Safeway. <laughs> They'll be like, can I please have a ding dong (laughs) instead? You're the ding dong. (laughs) So the ones I recommend are the berry nut mix, the peanut butter nom noms, of course, and oatmeal boxes. I've said it before. They're so good. What are your favorites? I'm excited to try. I have a new box coming. I've got my usual sriracha. um, What was it? Cashews? Cashews, yeah. You love those. Yeah, and then I've got Thai coconut curry peanuts. Oh, yum. Chocolate chia granola, which I think Ooh. you're supposed to eat like a cereal. And then there's uh, garlic bread cheese crisps. Oh. So I am I wish I had all of that in front of me right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be really good. It's actually pretty easy to get it in front of you. 
<laughs> and we have a special offer to help you. So go to naturebox.com slash deadcast right now to get two bags of delicious snacks without any of the junk for free. That's naturebox.com slash deadcast for two free bags of bold and unique snacks delivered right to you. Once more, naturebox.com slash deadcast to get two bags of snacks free. Thanks, Naturebox. Yay. Yay. Awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. Attention shoppers. Deadcast top five in five, four, three, two. All right, it's our Deadcast Top 5. This time it's Top 5 TV shows that we would recommend. This is not my Top 5 favorite TV shows ever. It was just ones that I was like, what shows do I want to recommend to people right now? You know, I mean, yes. I guess if it really came down to it, I might. And it would depend on the person too. But right. Um, I thought it would be more interesting to just do some kind of off the beaten path shows a little bit or just uh-huh. not necessarily on my Top 5 list. So that's what Whoa. it was. That's really interesting. So I had to create some criteria for me as well. Mm -hmm. And here's my thought process on getting this together. So I had a couple rules in place. First, I had to, there they couldn't be shows that are in the Podcastica network because obviously any show that we do podcast about, like Once Upon a Time, Game of Thrones, Ash vs. Evil Dead, The Walking Dead, hmm, Fear the Walking Dead, Breaking Bad, any of those shows you should be watching. So People, if it's in the podcast network, you should be watching those shows. Just saying. So I thought that was sort of set aside. Also, I didn't want the shows to be too obscure. I wanted you to be able to find them in the usual places. And um, nothing reality TV based for me. I wanted them to be scripted. And also, finally, the summer has been, it's been recently pretty darn hard. We're recording this. Jesus Christ. Well, yeah, I almost didn't want to do Blair Witch. I was like, let's talk about puppy dogs or something. I know. <laughs> I know. Um, but Blair Witch is nice and escapey. Yeah, I guess. Um, and it, so, yeah, it's been hard. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to do mostly fun, light ones that at least have humor in them. Awesome. So I want I like them it. to be, yeah, good escapist fun. Killer. All right. Who should go first? You, man. <laughs> okay. So this is pretty dark. It's a English series. It's uh, <laughs> it's called Black Mirror. Yep, you know it's on show? my list too. I oh, do. It's on, it's on list? my list, but it's on my list as a mentionable. <laughs> okay, cool. So this show, the thing that really got me about it is, it it's each episode has a different cast in a different setting. It's a, each episode is its own story. Even they have different realities, but this show is like a modern Twilight Zone. With yes. this technological bent, kind of, it's often about technology or or current events in our society twisted through this dark lens. But more than any other Twilight Zone e type show that has come out since the original Twilight Zone, including new versions of Twilight Zone and Alfred Hitchcock presents Outer Limits, Tales from the Dark Side, shows like that. This show really captures the edgy feeling that I got from the original, the most twisty and sometimes disturbing and thought provoking that the original was so good at. And it's hard to recapture, but watching this, I totally got that. Yeah. My favorite one was called the entire history of you, where people have these little implants that record everything you see and experience. 
and it seems really cool. And then you can go back to any moment that like a happy moment and play it back for yourself in your head, or you can project anything on the screen on a screen in a room, uh-huh. which is all well and good until this guy suspects that his wife cheated on him. So he asks her to play back this certain moment that would prove it. And then you see her doing something and he realizes that she's deleting it. He's all, no, you don't delete that. <laughs> Which is kind of funny. You remember that? Yes. So funny. Oh God, it was such a, that was such a good episode. Yeah, I love that one. But the, but they were all. I thought they were all good. And yeah. There was one that from that it was three years ago, but it kind of predicted the rise of Donald Trump. I would say the one with that oh, blue dog. Yeah. You know, ridiculous. Oh, with the pig. No, no, I wasn't talking about that one. There was You're one where this about the do- prime minister and the and the pig. Yeah. So. <laughs> This was the very first one. This was actually not my favorite, but it was it was so horrible where yes. there I guess it's the princess of England is um being held captive <laughs> and the guy yes. says the only way he'll release her is if the prime minister fucks a pig on live TV. Yes. <laughs> and then yes. well I won't say what happens, but I I really felt like you know, you guys know I can get raunchy and I don't mind saying bad words and stuff but even that was just a little too far for me i'm like i don't know if i want to see this yeah <laughs> it's still pretty good um, yeah uh, before i finish on this one i just want to say it had a this series has a bunch of stars in it john ham was in one who played uh-huh. don draper uh jessica brown finley who's sybil from downton abbey she was in one remember yep Senior. yep domino gleason who was in oh ex machina and he was in my very favorite yeah. episode it, that was my very very favorite one it was like the reverse of ex machina he played the android oh yeah that's true and that's true Ailey atwell was in one he was in that same one. Oh, it was so good that was a great one mm-hmm. i didn't think of that you're right that is kind of the reverse of um ex machina <laughs> Uh, Donald Gleason, who's in like every single show and movie. He's great. Uh, I love him. Did you see Frank yet? No. Mm. I got to watch that. Yeah, yeah I want to. Uh, there's only two seasons of the show, by the way. There are only three episodes each, and there's a special, so there's only seven total. But <laughs> I don't know if you know this, Karen, but it's been confirmed that Netflix is going to do a third season. Ah, that's wonderful. 12 more episodes. Yes. All written by series creator Charlie Brooker. Yes. And a couple of the stars are Bryce Dallas Howard, who's, you know, Ron Howard's daughter, and Alice Eve, who was uh, that really cute girl in Star Trek that stripped down to her underwear for some reason. Oh, I don't recall that. (laughs) It was so gratuitous. Anyways, (laughs) I'm totally looking forward to uh, the new ones. I don't know when it's going to come out, but can't wait. I'm going to tell David, and that's going to make his day because it's on his list, too. Cool. He loved it. Yeah. All right. So... I'm going to tell you a show that I didn't think I was going to talk about, but events in France pushed me to thinking about this show. And um, I was going to make it on my runner's up list, but it got moved up to my top five because I believe that it's a representation of a hopeful, a hopeful picture of the world. And right now I need a hopeful picture of the world. It's Star Trek, the next generation. And great show. It is a great show. It's old. And I tried to stay away from older shows because I thought most people have probably seen it. But it plays on the BBC pretty much every single day. David and I joke around that 
you know, there's only like three shows that play on the BBC and that's one of them, <laughs> which is great for me. I call it the Star Trek, the next generation network. And they just <laughs> cycle through and play it and play it and play it. And it's it's a vision of the world where there's, a, you know, there's. A whole huge galaxy of different species, different races, and um, they are not by any means peaceful with each other, everybody, but they're, they've established um, a, a federation and, and Starfleet, and they have moved past money, and it, it's a vision of the future that um, was created originally to be um you know what what can happen and it i'm getting choked up even thinking about it but i really believe that that we can get there people but it's it's been a grim it's been a grim couple of months so fingers crossed that someday that we are all like on the next generation and that we have really cool holodecks and replicators <laughs> and um, little pieces of uh, something that you wave over somebody and, oh, hey, your broken leg is fixed. That would be nice. I, uh, I I watched that show from the beginning. I was stoked that it came out because my stepdad, who I didn't really get along with, was totally into Star Trek. And that kind of turned me off of it, the original series. Uh-huh. But when this came out, I thought, oh, this could be my Star Trek. And uh, I remember he didn't really like it. He kept thinking that Picard was going to get killed and Riker was going to be the new captain. I think he thought that because Riker had more of a Captain Kirk vibe to him. Yeah, he did. But, you know, rewatching this show, I really feel like the first two seasons, you got to you got to push yourself through because there's some stinkers in there. And sure. Yeah. And I'm just telling, I want to tell people who might want to watch it just because once you get to season three three, and there's seven seasons total, in my opinion, it's like a whole different ball game. Suddenly it's amazing. And, and some of those episodes at the end of season three are leading up to the whole Borg thing are, are freaking awesome. I I don't know how they hold up because I haven't seen it in quite a while, but um, they hold up. What I loved about the show, aside from the really great storytelling and amazing, like with just the Borg and some time travel things and some really cool engaging stuff is the characters. And they all were, uh, you spent so much time with them and they were all so well drawn and so different from one another that you Mm -hmm. felt like, and and then you you got to watch them get to know each other because they were kind of standoffish with each other in the beginning and they became like the best of friends by the end. It was like yes. watching a family. <laughs> yes. So it's a very yeah. yeah, I agree with you. That's I, I love that show. But I, I would say either start with season three or make a commitment to make it through the first two if you're going to bother and, with the show. And it's funny because I actually loved every season, including the first two. So if you if go pretty, online if, and read what people say about it. You'll hear the same thing a lot. What I'm, <laughs> I'm very, I'm a very forgiving fan. I've said it before. <laughs> okay, my number four is a show that was recommended to me by my wife recently, and it's Justified, Star- ah. starring Tim Oliphant. And I started binge watching it. There's six seasons. I'm actually only just finishing up season two, but uh, I also knew that the Bald Move guys did a podcast on it, so I thought if those guys they're pretty discerning if they bothered with it it must be good yeah and it is and it stars tim oliphant who was in deadwood as a sheriff uh-huh. but in this I, I only saw a bit of deadwood and he seemed a little bit too straight in that for me 
like he everyone else had the interesting characters and he was just more the typical hero um maybe i'm wrong about that because i didn't see the whole thing but anyways in this he's raylan givens u.s marshal in kentucky he's practically a cowboy in this he wears a hat he's very quick on the draw but he's uh got more of an edge to him and and but what i really love is when he gets in he gets in dangerous situations all the time and he's not afraid to just charge right in and he's got this really a sense of ease about him almost like Andy Griffith where yeah. he even when he's got somebody several people pointing guns at him he just feels like he he's in control and he he know he's okay he can handle it even sometimes when he's wrong like he's gotten the shit beaten out of him when he's had that attitude <laughs> but it's so much fun to watch it's it's based on a story by this um literary crime novelist you might have heard of Elmore Leonard oh yeah who his other works that have become movies are Get Shorty with John Travolta Out of Sight with Jennifer Lopez and George Clooney yep Jackie Brown, that was a Tarantino flick mm-hmm. starring Pam Greer. 310 to Yuma was a Western with Russell Crowe. Elmore Leonard, who died, I think, a few years ago at like 80-something, said that of all of his things made into movies, Justified is the one that gets it the most right. Oh, that's nice. He loved how Tim Oliphant played the role. He even wrote another book called Raylan after that with Tim Oliphant's picture on the cover. So he loved it. I've um, got to watch it. It, what I like about it is it has this kind of a wry tone. It's very charming. It has an easy style to it. And it has really snappy, clever dialogue. Mm-hmm. That's the best thing about Emil, Emil, ugh, Elmore Leonard is his natural and snappy dialogue. Right. And it's lighter. It's a lighter drama to counteract some of this heaviness like you're talking about. So, uh, yeah, I would recommend it. it it's the first season mostly is one and done episodes yeah and it's kind of it sneaks up on you like you might wonder i don't know if this is an amazing show but it's like potato chips after a while (laughs) (laughs) but then once you get to the end of season one it starts to become a serialized drama and i think for the rest of the series it's more like that and i like that better so anyway justified (laughs) (laughs) oh also, awesome. Tim Oliphant was a senior in my high school when I was a freshman. Which oh, doesn't really have anything to do with anything, but that's a fun fact. <laughs> it's a fun fact. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was a stud on campus too, a big water polo player, <laughs> and uh, easy on the eyes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he. Uh, I mean, I, I kind of have a man crush on him, to tell you the truth. How could you not? <laughs> How Good could Lord. I not? Yeah. All right, it's on my list of shows now. God, there's a lot cool. now. You've also you do you want to hear the shows that you've also recommended to me that I need to watch? Well, you so, might hear a couple more of them by the time this is out. Okay, then. <laughs> but I have big J's next to the ones that you. So I'll tell you. Oh, okay. okay. So so when you go through them, I'll be like, "Yep, you yeah. recommend that one. It's on my it's on my <laughs> list." So I'm gonna go ahead with my number four, which mm-hmm. is Parks and Recreation. Woo! I need to watch that. Yeah. It's marvelous it is a marvelous marvelous show it's pure fun it's bubbly and light it's like a glass of champagne it's Mm -hmm. lovely and intoxicating and so fun it's really simple conceit it's about the a midwestern town in illinois and um about their department of parks and rec 
and the the people in this department who work together and keep this um, show going or <laughs> keep the the department going. And it stars Amy Poehler from uh, Saturday Night Live. She plays Leslie Nope, and it's really funny because I was seeing my friend Nora last night, and Nora said to me because they're going through Parks and Rec and they're in- loving it, and she said. You kind of remind me of Leslie Nope. And she said, I'm sure many people have said that I to know, you. I know, I <laughs> know. That was my first thought, actually. Yeah, I, I kind of <laughs> got little. that. <laughs> just a little bit, just a little bit. Yeah. It also stars Nick Offerman, who's wonderful. Chris Pratt, who is has gone on to, I mean, he's in Superstar. the... Yep, Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's a big There's, guy. Uh, yeah, Jurassic Park. There's some great outtakes of Chris Pratt on Parks and Rec on YouTube. Oh, really? You, you'll laugh. Yeah. Oh, Check it out. excellent. He's so flipping brilliant. He's kind of pudgy show. on there, right? He is. Yeah. yeah he's he really. Got all buff for the movies. He's really great. <laughs> he's he's just fantastic. Aubrey Plaza, who's also. I love her. Oh, my gosh. She's sexy. And she's and funny. awesome in this. She's yeah. awesome. Aziz Ansari, who's now in uh, Master of None. Right. And, and which is also really really funny and he's brilliant in this i watched that and i didn't love it i don't maybe i should give it another chance keep going it's great yeah yeah i think so rashida jones mm-hmm. adam scott santa cruz uh rob Lowe. <laughs> rob Lowe's rob literally Lowe. one of the best things about the show he's he's, he's good surprisingly and listen to some of the guest stars um billy eichner who's amazing lucy lawless is in it uh, yeah. Meg, yeah, yeah. I mean, they have like, you know, cameos. Megan Mullally, she's fabulous. Henry Winkler, Louis C.K., Paul Rudd, Christy Brinkley, uh, Keegan Michael Key, Justin Threw. He's so funny in this, too. Uh, Sam Elliott, who I love. Even Jeff Tweedy, lead singer of Wilco, he's in it. Wow. Yeah. Was he yeah. good? He's great. He's great. So there you go. Sweet. Yeah, that's on my list. I've seen a couple episodes and liked it, but just didn't get into the habit of, you know, watching the whole thing. It's very so, funny. Good. All right. My number three is a comedy on HBO. It is Silicon Valley. Yeah. You watch that? I have watched many of those episodes. I it's, quit after a while, but I loved it. Oh, man. It's so good. It's This season was really good, too. So it. I worked at Apple for nine and a half years. I've been in and around Silicon Valley for 17 years and interested in the fortunes of all these big tech companies, Google, Twitter, Apple, Microsoft. So it's really fun to watch this. It's done by Mike Judge, who mm-hmm. is, you know, created Beavis and Butthead, Office Space and King of the Hill. Uh-huh. It's funny. It's a bit raunchy at times, which can be funny. Um, sometimes I think it's kind of sophomoric but <laughs> uh i love the jared guy who uh, skinny dude who's really earnest he was yep. in the office yep it's so spot on with how these startups and tech products work to the point where sometimes the line between parody and actuality is non-existent <laughs> it's yeah. just funny because it's true it's so weird how the writers seem to have have 
gotten it right. Yeah. Really right. These big crazy parties where like there'll be a rock band on stage, <laughs> a famous rock band like Ozzy Osbourne or something and go Row! and then everybody's just sort of standing around what? drinking beer. Like I've been at <laughs> yeah. Apple with um, wallflowers and you know people got into it but it just kind of reminded me of it's like <laughs> this doesn't seem quite right and they got paid so much money to be here, but these aren't really their fans. And you right, know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Kid Rock. Uh, I think episode one. Yeah, was that's Kid what Rock it was. Show. Kid Rock. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. And then the way the uh, plans for these companies can change on a whim, like a company can come out of nowhere and suddenly be suddenly be the biggest thing, even though it's not totally clear what their software does or how they can make any money from it. Uh huh. Stuff like that. Or my favorite, the way that engineers designers salespeople and marketers they're they're all like different species and it's funny to see them interact and not totally get each other but have to work together <laughs> like i've experienced that <laughs> for sure so anyway it's funny i i think it's really smart too and and i i like it, it you know it's not even it, i was convinced it was filmed in silicon valley and then i looked i'm like no nope, filmed in la <laughs> but they get the campuses right too which is hilarious mm-hmm and all the like you go into what is the big company Hooli yeah. or something i forgot Hooli. but Hooli, yeah and it's supposed to, it's like google where right they have their own chefs and oh. there's all these like playground toys out for everybody oh, to mess around oh with oh my god the ceo is mm-hmm. hilarious too mm-hmm. of Hooli. this season he kept bringing in like farm animals or circus animals into the board meetings to illustrate points <laughs> <laughs> That was pretty funny. <laughs> Anyways, I don't want to spend too much time on great. that, but I like that show. That's a good one. That's yeah. a, that's good escapist too. It's fun to watch Doug too because he's a software programmer, so we like to laugh about it together. We have a lot of friends still who are at Apple, Yahoo, Microsoft. Uh, between the two of us living here in Silicon Valley, and I, I one of the reasons I I stopped watching it was just I it ended up being too much like the a couple of guys I've dated. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> that's right. Uh-huh. Tom, oh, I guess uh-huh. I shouldn't say the name, uh-huh. but yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Apple. That's guy. interesting. It, you know, and I think they just finished season four or maybe three, and it's a little repetitive. Like it feels like they never get anywhere, which I think is part of the joke. But right. they have this software product, and they keep like almost succeeding in a big way, and then not, and they're back in this little house developing it again. I wish it would move on to the next stage <laughs> <laughs> right and that's also true to life too yeah totally. <laughs> all right i'm up so i have a show that i've talked about probably ad nauseum but it probably is the best show i've ever seen and and my favorite of all time and that is buffy the vampire slayer to me, it's the best show to empower young people with long arcs of beautiful storytelling. Tell- and I feel like every teenager needs to watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer, uh, especially if you're a, a, a teenager of the female persuasion. Please show your teenagers Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It's Joss Whedon who's brilliant, and he, we love many, many things that he does. And he created quite a hero in Buffy. She's a high school girl who was never interested in being a hero, but nevertheless, she rose to the occasion and she's the chosen one and had the fate of of the world on her shoulders. And it's played by Sarah Michelle Gellar. And she plays her with such grace. And 
you know, she's a teenager and never wanted the job. She just wants to be a teenager. And it's about her story about being the slayer and the friends that she makes. It starts off when she's in high school. Then she goes into college and she just tries the best to save the world and lead uh, her life as well. And it's so well done. And it's it of of all the TV shows out there, this is the one that um, touches me and makes me cry the most. And I will watch wow. it whenever it's on. And that's I've awesome. gone through the whole thing. I don't know how many times because really? yeah, yeah, because it's because right, huh? it's flipping brilliant. And a lot of his shows are great. I feel like this list, at least in part, is you and I trying to convince each other to watch these shows <laughs> that we've been talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, when Nico gets big enough, you guys can watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I know. I I just need... Well, I don't have time, but I forgot about that show. I need to get into it enough where I'm hooked, because yes. I haven't done that yet. You know, I've seen yeah. an odd episode here and there, and it seems cute, but I don't really get it. Yeah, and, and honestly, you could probably even skip season one. You could probably go right oh, to really? season two. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah, this is one that has a, a little bit of an awkward season one before they find their footing. But by the time they find their footing, wow. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah, and it's back when shows were like 22 episodes. Yes. Every- oh, my <laughs> God. And they're all on Netflix, by the way. Yeah, seasons used to be a lot longer, people. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, my number two is a show I've been trying to convince you to see, Transparent. Yeah! (laughs) Which is an Amazon show. It's about the Pfefferman family. The father (laughs) is Jeffrey Tambor, who was the dad on Arrested Development, and he's been in a bunch of other stuff, Larry Sanders' show. He's transgender and he decides to start dressing as a woman. That's in the first episode. And when I heard that, I thought that sounds like an too much of a like an issue show. You uh-huh. know, I'm, I'm uh-huh. totally pro transgender or being whatever you feel like you want to be. But I'm like, does that mean this is going to be a good show? Or yeah. and it's a great show. In it, you know, even if that didn't happen, I mean, that's a huge part of it. It's at the heart of the show, but. It's not the whole show. Right. It's mostly about this family, and um, and they're all very. Mm, they're just like real people. Like yeah, they they're very flawed, and actually, at some point, I sort of feel like, man, these guys are so flawed that I'm not sure I like any of them. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, but I. But you do because they're human and, you know, they make mistakes. And I tend to like stuff like that because I think we are all flawed and to pretend otherwise just feels false to me. And I'm not interested in that so much. But they take it to the extreme in the show. But I really like also that it it has it it breaks through the routines of a normal show. It feels really fresh and unexpected, unpredictable. It's really smart. It's really real and authentic and it's funny and. It's just a good show. And one of the things that I think that you would really love about it is the music. Uh-huh. Like, it's the kind of thing where you'd be like, oh, my God, I, just watching the show for the music. They they just know how to pick the perfect song. And there's been a lot of times like on the great thing about Amazon is if you tap the screen, at least if you're watching it on an iPad while you're watching it, it probably mm-hmm. won't work on your TV. Um is a little overlay comes up that shows you all the actors that are currently in the scene and whatever song is playing. 
Wow. So then you can tap on any actor and it'll show you, you know, what films are in or whatever. But I've gone through five or six songs. I just went to iTunes and, and downloaded it. Really? That's, <laughs> That's fantastic. Cool. Yeah. It's really ah, neat. I love when a movie or a show can give me new music. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. This show. You, yeah. You, you got to check. It. And even the theme song is beautiful. Like if you just listen to it, it's this beautiful little piano piece. Oh. It's awesome. Hey, did, did they get nominated for any Emmys? I, I'm sure they did. Yeah. He always gets nominated for best yeah. actor. He's amazing. Um, Jeffrey Tambor. I'm also going to cheat and lump in six feet under with this one. Do it. Because it feels like a bit of a soulmate to transparent. It has uh-huh. a similar tone. It's also about a family. It's really intelligent. It's got people doing, being flawed. Um, it's unpredictable. It's about this family that runs a mortuary and the father dies and this son comes back to, to the funeral and ends up staying to help. It's Michael C. Hall is Dexter or who was Dexter. He plays the other son who's this kind of dutiful straight laced guy who's been watching the mortuary the whole time, uh-huh. except he's gay and uh, he's straight laced gay. And uh, <laughs> then Peter Krause plays the one that came back. He's kind of reckless and honest and Francis Conroy is the mom. Lauren Ambrose is the sister. This show was created by Alan Ball, who wrote American Beauty. Uh-huh. It's my favorite movie. And he was a showrunner for True Blood for the first several years. Yeah. So I want to go back and watch this one again. But after I watched it, I just felt like, man, this is such a full show about life. You know, it's yeah. it just feels like this is about life. And and all facets of life so i loved it man i've got to go but i that's on my list six feet Mm -hmm. under yeah if i was going to recommend either transparent or six feet under i don't know you know one good thing about transparent is it's only i think three seasons they're short seasons and they're only a half an hour each so it's pretty easy to get into it and get Uh through it six feet under is five seasons i think of like 12 episodes each and they're an hour each but it's so good. And it has the best finale of any show ever. Yeah, you said that. Should mm-hmm. I? What, uh, is it on uh, Netflix? That's an HBO show. Oh, okay. I don't good. know if it's on Netflix. I think some H- are some HBO shows on Netflix. I'm yes. not sure. Yeah, so it might be on there. Okay. Groovy man. Well, I've got a double header. Okay. So I've got a double header of funny shows about really dark topics. The first one's about women's prison. <laughs> Orange is the New Black. It is on Netflix. It's an original Netflix show. And man, the first season, it got nominated for everything. And <laughs> um, it, and people were just raving about it. It's actually based on a book, uh, Orange is the New Black. It's a great book. You've read it too, a, a right? A true story, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Of this and, white bread girl, Piper Kerman, who ends yeah. up going to prison. Yes. A couple of years or something. Right. <laughs> and the great thing about this show, it's it's fun and which is weird. It's prison and they don't try to mask how hard it is, how rough and lonely and disjointed and weird Dangerous prison is. sometimes. Dangerous, yeah. uh, you know, boring. They don't mask any <laughs> of that. And yet they still it's still the most engaging thing. It's so cool. And it's it's actually delightful to yeah. watch. It has a bit of a sitcom-y feel to it, it uh-huh. but not in a bad way, you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And I, one of the things that I love about it is, much like Lost, they give us backstories. 
um, for many, many of the characters, which is fascinating. Yeah. I love the backstories and it just makes it so much richer. And um, I mean, it's one, one example of things that are funny is that uh, Piper is selling used female prisoner underwear through an underground company and the name of the underground company is felonious spunk <laughs> <laughs> she's, too, she's very clever she's very mm. clever too clever by half so orange is the new black also wait wait before you go on to the next one i just want to say about that show that i also love it and I, as soon as i get through justified i'm diving right into orange is the new black because the new season just came out recently yes, but it uh did. What I one thing I really love about it is the main character. Well, at least in the beginning, is Piper Kerman, who's this white bread girl who she had a little dalliance with, kind of got adventurous and ended up helping somebody carry drugs somewhere. But it was not, you know, she kind of took the fall. So it feels sort of like, oh, this girl doesn't belong here, and but she's the hero of the story. That's kind of uh, feels like a traditional thing you might see in a, in a movie or something. Uh-huh. And then not only does she become one of the most vicious and unlikable <laughs> characters on the show, which I love, but it spreads out and becomes about all the other women on the show. And there's women of different color and different social classes. And it's really fun to have that her be sort of a, a pathway into that whole world of learning about all these different kinds of people so i thought that was really awesome yeah Uh, yes exactly exactly and yeah she's not it's not the piper show at all it's everybody and even the guards the guards are so interesting and by the way i'm halfway through season three and it's unbelievably great Okay, so my number two, part two of best funny show with a really dark, about a really dark topic is uh, about illegal imprisonment, and I'm talking about Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. <laughs> it, it, it is another Netflix show, and I I love comedies about awful subjects. So I either love light shows about awful topics like you know illegal imprisonment or prison. Or I love really, really dark shows about light subjects. So like BoJack Horseman. Uh, have you ever seen BoJack Horseman? No, it's I got to watch that. pretty great. It's a very dark show about Hollywood. <laughs> so it's kind of fun. So Un- Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt is about a woman who was in an underground bunker for 15 years with three other women. And they finally get discovered and freed from their underground bunker and they're known as the Indiana Mole Women. And <laughs> it's about Kimmy's determination to put her past behind her and move to New York City and start a life in New York City. And it's just amazing. It's it's so great and heartbreaking and wonderful. It's It's lovely. So both of those. There you go. Yeah, that's fun. That's a fun show. She's good. Ellie Kemper. Oh, my God. She's great. Liked her in uh, The Office. Yes. Yes. And she has a supporting cast that is just unbelievably great, including her roommate, Titus, whose name is <laughs> Titus Andronicus in the show. And he's he's so funny. He's a singer and he does little little songs, too, along with um, Carol Kane. And this last season, he did a song with Carol Kane, and they're just awesome. She's their landlady. 
She reminds me of you a little bit too. Thanks. <laughs> wow. <laughs> You're picking shows that have <laughs> these <laughs> characters who are kind of chipper. That have Karen characters. <laughs> wow. That's scary. That's hilarious. <laughs> it's scary because then look what shows I'm picking. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. My turn. Okay, my number one, I did not follow the rule of not including any podcastica shows because if you aren't watching Game of Thrones, you're nuts. <laughs> <laughs> nuts, I tell you nuts. No, you're you're watching it. I am. I know you are. Well, and I'm sure you loved this season, right? Because last season yes. was so harsh on the characters. And yes. this season had a, a few really sad deaths. But let's not give too much away, but just in general. But I think we're finally starting to see six seasons in that sometimes the good guys can come out ahead. So that must and be good for you to see, right? A little song comes to mind uh, about it being ladies' night. Yeah, 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 totally. That's all I'm going to say. But you know what, though? From the very beginning, at least with Danny, uh -huh. she, uh, she was... Or, I don't know, not oh, yeah. from episode no. one, but yeah, right. She was pretty powerful. Amazing ladies. She had on bad this stuff. Show. Yeah. And, you know, there's also been, there's been a lot of horrible things that have happened to women on the show, but also some pretty horrible things that have happened to some of the men on the show, too, like getting their heads or other body parts chopped off. Mm, true. Consumed by their <laughs> own dogs. Yeah. That's not so nice. No, no one wants that. So now you can hear, like, this is the caveat for this show. If you haven't tried it, then you can hear from the way that Karen and I are talking that some pretty <laughs> horrific mm -hmm. things happen on the show. Mm -hmm. But it is so rich and beautifully filmed and sprawling. And there are so many characters and it's such a fully realized world, probably more than any other show I've ever yeah. seen. They draw you into this world and make you believe it's real. And it's funny and smart. And, you know, there's people to root for and there's just, it's just breathtaking and it's what's it's almost like more than probably any show I can think of it's a giant movie it's like a 50 hour movie you know right from the beginning you kind of get an idea of what the scope of you know what the stakes are for the whole series and what has to happen for things to turn out okay and now we're just sort of watching that play out over all the seasons I don't know man it I, I this is one of these shows I, I love it when this happens it happened to me in true blood a couple of times where I'm watching it an episode uh -huh. and I'm just like dude this is so fucking good you know what I mean <laughs> yeah. like oh my god <laughs> yeah is anybody else watching this because this is yeah. amazing yeah how did whoa <laughs> yeah so yeah. I, I don't feel like that about every show I feel like it about Walking Dead sometimes too but more consistently probably with Game of Thrones it's just if you if you haven't tried it I, I'm like dude you should give it a shot and you know what helps uh, being married to somebody who's read the books a number of times. <laughs> I got to tell you that it is, you mentioned that it's a rich show and my God, you're not kidding. Yeah. It is the, it has so much depth and complexity. I can't tell you how many times, probably my poor, my poor husband, how many times I said to David, oh, no, wait a second. So this person is who again? And yeah. he'll patiently explain this person is that person, remember? From back in the, this is how it all ties together. And I listened to your podcast, Game of Microphones, <laughs> highly recommended. Uh, I I also watch the HBO After the Thrones show. Have uh -huh. you ever seen that? No, I haven't seen it. I should check it's it out. pretty great. They're on fast forward, though. 
because half the time I have I have to go back and and they all assume that we're experts and so they go blah 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 blah, blah. as you know blah 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 blah, blah. <laughs> I'm like wait a second and they get really back into the backstory. This is a, a show that you feel like you're coming into it halfway through. Like I feel like when we when season one started, there's so much stuff that happens that plays out later on um, that you don't really know about. It really helps to have source material to or somebody that can tell you, well, this is what happened. And this is why that's important. I kind of feel like if you want, you can just like sit back and yeah, smoke a true. blunt and just enjoy. <laughs> just enjoy. enjoy. A dragon. Yeah. Look, whoa, look. Finding, the pretty blonde lady is riding a dragon. Oh, somebody's having Dude. sex and explaining something. <laughs> they did that a lot in the first few seasons. They called it sex position. You know, I think you could appreciate it that way. But yes. I think if you do try to get into it and remember all the connections and who whose family member dissed who and motivated a lifelong feud or whatever then it'll be a better experience but the thing is i think it takes a real i mean it takes a lot to get the full story i don't even know if anyone even george r, r. martin who created all this remembers the full story he doesn't know? no and in fact i know it's a true thing he's been interviewed by and he said um no i, I there's over a thousand characters now and there's a super fan who keeps them all straight for him so he, oh, could, wow. he does have somebody he calls yeah. up and says who's this again or <laughs> what was the name and then the other the, the guy's his resource yeah no true but one guy i know who is just as good as that as just about anybody else is duncan Who's, I've heard that. Who's on our um, game of microphones? He he's yeah. just right there with all the names and the you know events and things like that. Um, David and and Mr. Blogger are pretty good too, but I think Duncan would win a Game of Thrones trivia contest. <laughs> <laughs> there have been Game of Thrones trivia contests. In fact, one of the players on the Warriors. He had a viewing party. He had like he only wanted uh, true Game of Thrones fans to uh, like he did a little contest. You could apply uh, if you follow his. I think he has a blog about it. And um, so he had a little contest and uh, had really, really hard questions. And uh, David knew from his office one of the guys who won and got to go over there and do the, the viewing party with this guy who's a Golden State Warrior. Pretty cool, huh? That's amazing. Yeah. Okay. Honorable. No. It's your number one. It's my number one. Yeah, this is a tough one, but I'm going to go. I'm going to stick with my I'm going to stick to my guns. No, no pun intended and have this be a light list. So I'm going to go with instead of the the two that are my true favorites, I'm going to go with the one that's the least traumatic, (laughs) which is funny because I'm going to say it and it seems fairly traumatic now that I think about it. But um, Sherlock. I've BBC. really watched too much of that. Really? Yeah. Jenny Jenny watches it. Uh, That's I, I think it's actually pretty cool that you're naming shows that I I haven't seen that much yeah, of. Yeah. Yeah. That's really funny. So Sherlock with the the BBC version that's starring Benedict Cumberbatch as Sherlock and Watson is played by Martin Freeman, who I love. And the two of them together are magic, and it's so well-written, and it's so fun to watch. I can watch them again, and, and I have, again and again and again. So, yeah, Sherlock. That's my number one. Yeah, that shows... I have seen, I think, one episode, and it was very well... So well-made. 
just the filming style energetic and different camera tricks and it seemed smart and and quickly paced and Mm -hmm. funny and uh i don't know just a really good energy to it yep and it's the the showrunners for doctor who which is another one on my best of list oh yeah i can't believe i don't have that on in honorable mentions really all right well i i'm putting it down right now doctor who you can't i couldn't remember everything but uh (laughs) So can I do my honorable mentions? Yeah, and then I'll do mine. So Firefly, although mm-hmm. it's heartbreaking that it ended so early, I I probably would have put Orange is the New Black on my list, but I figured you'd say it. Mm-hmm. I'm totally shocked. Oh, this has got to be in your honorable mentions is uh, the Americans. I was gonna, I was waiting to hear a good description convincing me to watch one the of Americans. the best shows on TV. <laughs> Russian spies in the United States. They're actually based on Russian spies who were caught. In posing as Americans that were caught, I think it was about 10 years ago. Um, start from the beginning. Enjoy the ride. It, The acting, the writing, the plot twist. It's not a light show. And that's why I didn't make yeah. my list. Because um, you have, you can't watch it and do other things. You have to pay attention. Mm-hmm. And you have to watch it with somebody, in my opinion. <laughs> if you're like me and you want to just hold, you know, get somebody to comfort you and oh, stop, and stop like jumping that. up from your chair and go, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> it is unbelievable and maybe my husband would say maybe it's it's one of the the on his top three he would probably say breaking bad game of thrones and the americans it's that good all right you got me you know and also like i was sort of interested when i first saw that and saw who was in it and everything um but I, you know, had other things to do. And over the years, I think it's been on like three years now or something. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It, it's just the the buzz has gotten so big. It's like yeah. I can't avoid realizing that, oh, this is a good show. People yeah. are talking about it so much. Yes. The New York <laughs> Times falls all over themselves about yeah. how great this show is. It's great. Okay. Fargo. That was yes. one of my favorite recent series. Yep. Probably should have been on my main list. Sopranos is one of the all-time greats. Mm -hmm. I feel like it kicked off this golden age of TV dramas that are more like movies in long form. For sure. And then, of course, Breaking Bad is, you know, that might, it might be a tie with Six Feet Under for my favorite. So they kind of vie for the top spot. It's so Uh good, though. If you haven't seen Breaking Bad, I would just watch that first episode because you can really get a sense of what the series is like from the first episode. And if you don't like that, you, you probably know. One of the best openings. It hit of, the ground running. It really did. <laughs> uh, there's a couple of shows I'm looking forward to. Well, no, let's hear your honorable mentions. First. Okay, so my honorable mentions. And it's funny because I have a I'm looking forward to list too. Mm. Um, I'm going to talk about The Leftovers. One of my and, and the first season was a hard watch for me. Second season, it all turned around, and it's it created by Damon Lindelof and Tom Parada, who wrote the novel that the show's based on. And it, it's the second season is magic. Watch it and let me know what you think. They at one point they check out Purgatory, yeah, and it's, trippy. It is. It's it is so flipping good. So leftovers, but it's a it's a heavier show, so that's why it was on my list. I ended up liking that. The first season I had some problems with, but mm-hmm. the second season I liked better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we talked about Black Mirror. So great. A show called Episodes uh, with... Um, Matt oh, LeBlanc. 
Yes. I've heard playing, good things about that. Playing Matt LeBlanc. Is it he's, funny? Oh, it's so yeah. good. It's I'm so glad great. he's in a good show because he, he was in a crappy show after Friends, but then he found a good show. This is awesome. He plays himself and <laughs> he, he, his, his self is fabulous. <laughs> Um, Arrested Development, one oh, of my yes. all-time favorite, yeah. light, airy. Best. That's a great So funny and, and clever. Mm-hmm. One of the most clever mm-hmm. shows ever. BoJack Horseman, I mentioned that. I discovered that this year. It's a fun escape. Um, Doctor Who, I mentioned that. Yeah. The Returned, the French version of The Returned. Um, super Boo. fun. Oh, look at you. <laughs> we talked all about that. Yeah, we did. I know. Uh, Lost, of course, one of my all-time favorites. Not a light show, a very heavy show, which is why oh, it it's... had its funny moments. Mm, it did. I didn't call it a very heavy show. Mostly, it made me cry. Yeah, there was some. Yeah, but it had so much heart. Oh, so much. Mm-hmm. Um, Twin Peaks, the original. Um, I rewatched Twin Peaks. I think it really held up. Awesome, because there's going to be a new one next year. So I know. I gotta go I'm back so and rewatch excited that. about that. <laughs> and then uh, Better Call Saul. It would be cool if we could enter in this like timeless dimension where we could just podcast <laughs> for, you know, a few days about all these shows and then come out and have the episodes ready for the next morning. Because <laughs> <laughs> Twin Peaks would be a great one. Oh, my God. Mm. Yes. Wouldn't that be nice? Mm-hmm. Mm. Anything else? Nothing can go wrong with that scenario. <laughs> um, no, but I'm I'm looking forward to. Wait, wait, uh, wait, uh, wait, wait. I'm sorry. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, before we go into what we're looking forward to, you guys wrote a lot of great recommendations. I wanted to include all your lists, but I just didn't have time to prepare it, and we're going a bit long. But I'm just going to read some of the ones that you recommended. Mash, which is, I love that show. That's such a great. It's great. It's, it's funny and it's poignant. Beautiful. And, yeah, beautiful. Doctor Who with Tom Baker, somebody said. He was Mm. my favorite before all these new snazzy ones came along. Um, (laughs) Orphan Black, people seem to like. I've never watched it. Penny Dreadful, I've heard good things about that. Daredevil, Venture Brothers, Gilmore Girls. I love that. Yeah, and people dismiss it, probably in part just because of the title, but apparently it's a deep show. It is, it's great. Bates Motel gets a lot of good buzz. Someone said Buffy. Broad Church with David Tennant. Oh, I tried. Oh, really? Not I so did. good. Huh? I did. No, it's good. fine, but um, a little slow. For okay. Me. Tribeca, House of Cards. I love that show. That's. I know. You know, that's on my list too. It's. Of- I mean, it's political backstabbing to the extreme. <laughs> so if you don't want to see that, I wouldn't watch it. But it's very satisfying. I think. <laughs> Uh, Jane the Virgin, that gets a lot of good buzz. Uh-huh. And Curb Your Enthusiasm, that's one of my all-time favorites. A great mm-hmm. choice. Okay, let's go future. A couple ones we're looking forward to. Fargo, for me. Transparent, Justified. Sound, are, you, are you getting a sort of a six feet under? Are you getting a theme here? But two that you didn't mention that I really am excited about uh, that I'll eventually get to. My Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is supposed to be great. I've been hearing a lot of good mm-hmm. things about it. And Veep. Yeah, that one gets a lot of great buzz too and yeah. i would love to see it yeah and it's starring the guy from um tony hale yes yeah he's so great did you I hear that him. interview you did recently yes yeah. and that inspired me to get like okay that's it man i'm seeing veep <laughs> the ones that i'm looking forward to are actually ones that haven't started airing yet Ooh. but i'm hoping are good the first one is Westworld. Oh, yeah. Which is coming up on HBO in October. It's based on the 1973 Michael Crichton movie. 
which I saw parts. I remember seeing parts of as a kid and in my little kid memory, it was a Western themed uh-huh. theme park with androids uh-huh. whose faces popped off sometimes and they turned evil. <laughs> yes. Is that right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I've never seen it. Oh, David, David. I know David loves it. His childhood memory of it is holy crap, scariest thing I've ever yeah. seen. Oh my God, Freaky. I'm traumatized. I can't wait to see it. He's so excited. So this version is created by Jonathan Nolan, who's Christopher Nolan's brother and collaborator. It's described as, quote, a dark odyssey about the dawn of artificial consciousness and the future of sin and tells the story of a futuristic theme park called Westworld. And it stars Anthony Hopkins, Ed Harris, James Marsden, and a whole bunch of other people. Oh, that's fantastic. Amazing, right? Oh, my God. (laughs) Wow. Totally looking for that one. And then the one I'm most excited about is called Legion. It's on FX in early 2017. It's about this Marvel Comics character named Legion who appeared in X-Men. He was the schizophrenic son of Professor X. And each of his personalities had a different power. And he was really volatile and hard to deal with. And uh, I was always intrigued with his character and I love comics, but the reason and I'm kind of disturbed by him, actually, but <laughs> but the reason why, uh, in addition to that, that I'm excited about the series is that it's created and headed up by Noah Howley, who did Fargo. Oh, awesome. Which seems crazy. Like this is a comic-y thing, but I'm, he's did such a great job with that show that I'm like really stoked oh, about this. That's great. It says, David Holler, a man diagnosed with schizophrenia, has struggled with mental illness since he was a teenager, but everything changes when he meets the girl of his dreams, a fellow patient, and is confronted with the possibility that the voices he hears and the visions he sees might be real. (laughs) So I think it does a lot of playing with reality. You don't know what's real or not. Yeah, that's fabulous. The the star the main character David Holler is played by Dan Stevens, who was Matthew Crawley in Downton Abbey. Matthew Crawley. And Aubrey Plaza is in Woo. it. She plays somebody. Love you her. know she she's from uh, Parks and Rec. Parks and Rec. Yeah, I love her. Uh, so these two shows, Westworld and Legion. If I had more time, I would seriously want a podcast about both of these in some form or another. I'm going to try. But listeners, let me know if you guys would be interested in hearing podcasts about either one of those shows. Curious. Well, David's your guy for Westworld. Yeah, that might work out. That yeah. might be cool. If they put it on Sunday night, it's so hard. Everything's on Sunday night. <sighs> Why? 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 Universe. We watch TV on other nights. <laughs> <laughs> if you're like us, we watch it most nights. <laughs> All right. That's it for TV Woo! stuff. See you, Let's TV. Take a little break, and we'll be right back. back it's time to talk about our next sponsor next and final that is casper casper is a sleep brand that created one perfect mattress so they just basically have one 
product that they put everything they had into and it's this mattress that's sold directly to customers so there's no commission driven inflated prices and this mattress combines springy latex and supportive memory foam so it's got the best of both worlds and it's an award-winning sleep service and they say they like to say it has just the right sink and just the right bounce and i totally find that to be true you sit on it and it's just a satisfying feeling Jenny and I are super busy and we don't always get the best sleep. That's a huge common complaint for Mm -hmm. both of us that we're doing too much. We don't get enough sleep. And um, Nico, who is four years old, is still sleeping right in between us (laughs) (laughs) because we we have a housemate, you know, and Uh we just haven't worked it out yet. So we will at some point. But right now he likes to kick uh, mostly Jenny. (laughs) So I was really curious how when we got this Casper mattress, it's been a few months ago now, I think, how we would do. And trust me, if we didn't like it, our old mattress would be back on our bed. But that Casper's still there. And that's because since we've started using it, our sleep has been better. And when I sleep now, I fall into a deeper sleep and I feel really cozy when I get into bed. And when I wake up, if I didn't get woken up by kicking, I feel more (laughs) rested (laughs) (laughs) And that's everything I would want from a mattress. It feels good to get into or get on and you get good sleep. So I'm really thankful that we got these guys as a sponsor. Another sponsor that's changed my life. Yeah. Uh, It's a good product that I like. It's also risk-free, you know, something big uh, like this. You might be like, I don't want to order this in the mail, but it's free shipping and returns to U.S. and Canada. And they have this deal where if you try it for up to 100 nights in your own home and if you don't love it, then they'll come pick it up and they'll refund you everything. So no hassle. Wow, that's a great deal. It's made in America. It's an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. So mattresses can cost over $1,500, but the Casper mattress is 500 for a twin size, 750 for a full, 850 for a queen, 950 for a king. Time Magazine named it one of the best inventions of 2015. So the, this company gets a lot of interest from the media because of their um, business model and yeah. just the quality of the product. It's the most awarded mattress of the decade. And I love it. And you guys will too. And if you don't, you can send it back. But I suggest you try it. And if you want to, you can get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash TWDC. And use offer code TWDC. That's C-A-S-P-E-R dot com slash TWDC. Terms and conditions apply. They also do a pillow and a um, breathable sheet that I'm curious about trying out. I haven't tried either one of those, but I'm loving the mattress. So thanks, Casper. Bring it on. I want to try it too. Thanks, Casper. <laughs> All right. Now it's time for Listen, Moans, Groans, Grunts. Uh- <laughs> This first email comes from Mofavo, who writes, I was very excited that you were interviewing John Carroll Lynch. So tell me about the interview. Was it a panel or just one-on-one? How did you get on with him? Uh, He is very smart and kind. I'm guessing you got along very well. What did you ask him? Any big ahas? Not sure he would remember me from CUA. Anyway, he is a good guy. I remember him from school. I think that's Catholic University of America, but I'm not sure. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I got to interview John Carroll Lynch, who I first saw and loved in Fargo because he played Francis McDormand's husband who liked to 
paint stamps and try to win awards. <laughs> yeah. And was a very supportive husband while she went out and did her dangerous job. Very supportive. And He's wonderful. Then he was doing Twisty the Clown in American Horror Story Freak Show. Uh-huh. I think around the same time that he, I don't remember for sure, but then he does this Eastman who's the opposite. Twisty's a murderer and a, you know, scary dude. And Eastman values or it cherishes all life. All life is sacred. Precious. Precious, mm-hmm. yeah. So he was just, he was a low-key guy, but very kind and earnest. And what I really liked about him, I asked him about that. I was like, would you rather play... I mean, this is a dark show, Walking Dead, and a lot of the characters that started off being more compassionate have gotten harder. I said, would you have rather played a character more like that, or were you glad to have the opportunity to play more peaceful guy? He said he loved the character, basically, that he Aww. he really liked that he earned that position that he had through some hardships, you know, with that whole thing that he did and everything with that murderer guy. But... uh the whole thing about all life being precious. He kept repeating that. So I think he really agrees with that himself. It seemed like it. Yay. He's at, on our side. At one point I said, cause we talked a lot about twisty. A lot of the mm-hmm. uh, audience members had questions about that. And he would talk in detail about what it was like to film that and put on the makeup and everything. And, and I really did start thinking about each different character as he was talking about it so i told him on stage i was like you know when you talk about eastman then i get this feeling like you're a warm caring person and then when you start talking about twisty <laughs> i get this like ominous scary feeling <laughs> and he goes well one of those is true <laughs> <laughs> and i just kind of backed away a little bit like scooted my chair over Awesome. <laughs> that was pretty funny oh, that's great another kind of cute thing there's this uh vendor at the con that it's, it's kind of morbid they have all these little like skulls and they had this stuffed yeah. bat hanging from a hook and i forget what they're called but um I, th- somebody told me i should promote them because people weren't going over in that part of the floor so they gave me this little bat to give away uh, to somebody from the audience who could answer a trivia question <clears throat> and i just as a joke i was like do you want it and sort of thrust it towards John yeah. Carroll Lynch. He's like, no, thanks. <laughs> he was not interested in that at all. Uh, he seems funny. like a gentle type of guy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so great. Yeah, he was really cool. Okay, Kathleen Bell says, Karen is right. Huh? Next. First time. <laughs> he, she says, there's a great book called A Paradise Built in Hell. It shows with historical references how we react positively to each other during disaster. Aha! I agree with Karen that it would be nice to see a little more of this in the show. Just a little because it is a horror show. Yes. <laughs> well, the horror element is zombies. It's like they they really made zombies. not the Zombies are an annoyance, more like mosquitoes. And the horror element are the humans. And yeah, I mean, hell is other people. I completely <laughs> agree. But... People, it's been documented. People do behave nicer when um, people band together, at least at some points. So, of course, I say that now after (laughs) we've had, like I said, it's it's the day after. Yeah. Yeah, it's the day after the the world's not supporting your thesis here. The world is not supported. Come on, everybody. Let's let's just all get along. I was going to jump in with my argument, but you guys heard that a couple episodes ago. So (laughs) I won't go again. All right, let's do the next one. All right, this one comes from, and by the way, 
Thanks, Kathleen. <laughs> Love you, girl. This one comes from Vanessa from Singapore who writes, Hi, Jason and Karen. Uh, uh, it's Vanessa from Singapore. God, by the way, I just got to insert, I love Singapore so much. I've never been to a city where after I left, I wanted to write the city a thank you note. Singapore was that city for me. I wanted to write Singapore. Dear Singapore, thank you for taking such good care of me. It's such an amazing place. Anyway, uh, but you can call me V. I, I'm, uh, I've basically listened to every single episode of your fabulous podcast religiously, but have always been too shy to write and say hi. I'm so glad she's writing. Karen, I love your laugh so much. Uh, it's so infectious <laughs> and always puts a smile on my face. Please know that you always make my day. Jason, you, uh, you're great too. <laughs> Little heart. You have such a great voice. I've read The Girl with All the Gifts thanks to your recommendation and loved it. I've since recommended it to my friends, more of them particularly fans of the zombie genre, but they ate it all up. In return, uh, I also have a recommendation for you. Might be fun for the off-season. If, you, if you've covered this and I've somehow missed it or forgot, please ignore. Have you guys caught the movie Hidden? It's a 2015 film about a family uh, that takes refuge in a fallout shelter to avoid a dangerous outbreak starring Alexander Sarsgaard of True Blood fame. Oh, he's so wonderful. And mm -hmm. Andrea Risenborough. I really don't want to tell you too much and spoil it for you. If, if you haven't, uh, don't read the reviews just yet uh, if you plan to catch the show. Don't even Wikipedia it. Seriously, the whole plot uh, gets given away. If you just get past the naggy mum and some annoying bits in the first half, I'd say it's really worth a watch. I loved how it concluded. Not the best film out there, but a pretty enjoyable one for fans of anything apocalyptic. We haven't covered ha that, no. No, we haven't covered it. I've never even heard of it. I so, like him, so we'll check it let's out. Wa let's watch this for next time. No. <laughs> God. <laughs> just wanted to say how appreciative I, I, wa I don't want to just say yes without knowing anything about it and I mean, we, do. we have we limited amount it. of time to v told we us know that and i trust her next week is comic-con and there's going to be uh, a lot of stuff that comes out plus i have no, another topic i want to uh, talk about all right fine <laughs> but if we look into it and it seems like worthwhile i'm then gonna yeah. i'm gonna watch it with with david mm -hmm. and then um i'll come back and um tell you if you need to watch it okay. and then vanessa and i v and i will do a little haha -ha dance okay. around the room cool uh, she goes on to say, I just wanted to say how appreciative I am. She hates of the me now, by the way. <laughs> she loves you. Clearly she loves you. I'm uh, How appreciative I am of the hard work that both of you put into producing The Walking Dead cast for all of us listeners. I can tell it's a blast for both of you, but I reckon it takes a good deal of energy to put this together. The Walking Dead cast is my favorite podcast, and that says a lot. I listen to more podcasts than mm -hmm. probably is healthy. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Your shows have carried me through some tough times and um, peppered the good times with joy. I always look forward to every episode, so keep up the amazing work. Thanks for making the break between seasons of The Walking Dead bearable. Oh, God, so nice. Lastly, I wonder if both of you might be attending Walker Stalker Con San Francisco! Happening next April. It'll be my first Walker Stalker Con and my first time in San Francisco. It'll be such a treat to get to say hi to you guys, and I'll be traveling alone and know absolutely no one. I have my fingers crossed that you guys will be moderating some panels. Hope to hear from you, your fan and friend, V. I think we can say yes. I think there's like a very good chance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. Mean, you know, I always, I never know what's going to happen, like if this, how long this whole Walker Stalker thing is going to last, but 
I'm totally loving it and I intend to be there. Yeah. So if we are there, which we probably will be, then yeah, definitely we'll do some kind of a meetup. In fact, I'm, yes. I'm going to try to push that we can do another like pre-conference show beforehand so uh-huh. you can come uh, to that. Uh, or if if not, then we'll do some kind of a meetup and we can all hang out for sure. Yeah. Oh, we have to hang out. Yeah. I love V. I would say you can pretty much count, count on something going on. Like yes. even if we're not moderating panels, just knowing that so many Walking Dead fans will be in town, we'll schedule some kind of a meetup or something. But uh, we'll, take, we'll take care of you. V. I want to say, <laughs> I hope that didn't come off rude. I, you know, I, we only have, I think we only have one more show left until Fear the Walking Dead starts. So I just don't know if it's going to fit into our schedule to watch Hidden. Maybe it will. But um, either way, I want to thank you for that recommendation because it sounds interesting. And also just to say thank you for the letter because it's really complimentary. And I totally it appreciate really that. Is. And I hope we get to meet you in April. I'm her fan now. <laughs> I'm her fan. <laughs> okay. Now. Let, we're just getting started. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, uh, <laughs> I just thought, you know, I went on this uh, cross-country trip. I went to Portland with some friends, which was awesome. But I'm not going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about the next two. I went to Chicago for Podcast Movement Conference and then Walker Stalker, New Jersey. Podcast Movement is like the premier podcast conference. And I went and I have friends there now. And it's really fun. And I met some great people, um, got some good ideas for the podcast moving forward. So stay tuned for that in the future. But uh, a couple of people I met, Sean from Language of Bromance. Yeah. Really nice guy. Like he he just was really grounded and I can tell he's really motivated and, and ambitious to make his podcast the best it can be. So I hope we find time sometime soon to go on there because they've been trying to get us to go on. But yes. he was just a really, you know, just a good guy. So Yay. nice to meet you, Sean. Alex Timmis, who's a friend of David's sister, Kat. Yeah. And they all are in this improv group and they're trying to put together a podcast about how concepts from improv can help businesses or something like that. Yep. And, and a shout out to Mopco in Schenectady, New York. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, uh, that's, the, that's the improv company okay. that, that, uh, that he's associated with. Well, I don't even know if Alex listens, but he's a super nice guy. And uh, I went and watched David's sister's TED Talk on YouTube. Yeah. It was amazing. So I've been trying to help, you know, um, consult with them about how to start up a podcast. And they've been asking me a lot of questions and being really nice about it. So it's been fun. And it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Oh, you're so sweet. Thanks for doing that, hon. Yeah, no, it's my pleasure. So there was a fan of ours named Teresa who is, I forget what podcast she's starting up, but she was like really excited to meet me. (laughs) And I was like, looking behind me like uh because i'm not you know at walker stucker i'm used to people coming up but at this thing i was like oh really okay okay so we took a picture and she was really sweet so it was really nice to meet you Teresa. and uh, write in and let me know what what podcast you're working on okay and then i also met ryan gray who does some medical podcasts and is a super cool dude and he listens to us. He's probably hearing my voice right now. Hey, Ryan. And he was really fun to hang out with. And he he said he wanted to come on the show sometime. He said, um, Jessica, she's been filling in for Melissa yeah. sometimes. He's like, oh, I would break Jessica's legs to get on that show. He was just kidding, <laughs> but <laughs> it's pretty funny. Anyways, oh, uh, he he's on the 
committee for the podcast awards at this thing, the Academy uh-huh. of Podcaster Awards. I think he's the one who submitted us for the awards. Oh, <laughs> nice. Which is pretty cool. And yeah, he, he made nice. sure to stress, well, I, you know, even though I nominated you guys, it would have to be agreed on by other people. So he wasn't the only reason, but he was <laughs> probably without him, we wouldn't have gotten nominated for that. <laughs> so anyway, that was that wow. was pretty cool. That's now, great. speaking of the podcast awards, uh, we did not win. No, (laughs) which I knew we wouldn't. We said it. Yeah, because we were alongside Better Call Saul Insider, NPR Pop Culture Hour, Channel 33, like these amazing podcasts. The ones who won, they're called You Must Remember This. Uh, The description is You Must Remember This is a storytelling podcast about the secret and or forgotten histories of Hollywood's first century distributed by Panoply from Slate Magazine. So it's a really produced storytelling magazine just passionately put together by this woman who is associated with Slate. And I think it's really good. And I think they totally deserved it. So they're like number one in TV and film. They have been for a long time. Wow, that's great. So they good. won. Yeah. Uh, but we when we um, when not, we got mentioned, there were several people in the audience who when they were mentioning the nominations who went, woo. So that was pretty oh, cool. That's really nice. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait to hear uh, You Must Remember This. Yeah, I want to check it out, too. I haven't even checked it out yet, but it seems pretty cool. The last thing I wanted to mention about Podcast Movement was that Kevin Smith was one of the keynote speakers. Oh, cool. And I like Kevin Smith, but sometimes I think he can be kind of a blowhard or something. Uh-huh. And he he was awesome. He was surprisingly inspirational. He talked oh, all... great. He really just riffed, but you could tell he didn't have it planned, but he he talked all about how podcasting is expressing yourself and you should just go out and express yourself. And, you know, he's used to the movie business where you have to get a bunch of people's permission to do something. But in podcasting, there's nobody to tell you no. And that he just fell in love with it. And it was very healing for him to be able to say things and not keep it all inside, you know? Yeah. So it was just really good to hear him talk. And every other word was fuck, but it was pretty funny. (laughs) (laughs) So he was great. Then you see him walking around on the show floor with his ah! hockey shirt and his baseball hat. Yep. Yep. He always wears a hockey jersey. And in the middle of it, he told the story of comic book men, how that came to be. Because the guys on that, Brian Johnson and Walt Flanagan, were, have all been friends since uh, with Kevin Smith since they were in high school. And how the New Jersey attitude is usually to say, no, no fucking way. It's not going to happen. But he had to get them to say, oh, why not? You know, and yeah. all this stuff. Oops. And in the middle of it, he said that Brian Johnson was suicidal at one point and that he thought, you know, giving Brian Johnson a podcast is what brought him out of that. And um, they have tell him Steve Dave now. And I guess it's I'm not talking out of school by saying that for one thing he was saying in his keynote speech, but it's been talked about before on podcasts and stuff. But anyways, in the middle of that, since I know Brian Johnson, because he comes to Walker Stalker and he's been on our show. I texted him and said, Kevin Smith is on stage at a podcast conference telling the story of how your podcast and comic book men started. Uh, Pretty great. Hope you're well. He wrote back, yeah, that was a while ago. Plus, I have the kids, so she's guilted me into not offing myself. (laughs) (laughs) So you do exactly what I was talking about. (laughs) I said, good for her. (laughs) Kids, they're great. They're great like that. All right, so there's I could talk for a lot more about that because it was a really great conference, but we don't have a lot of time. So 
I will talk a little bit about Walker Stalker Con New Jersey. I didn't do a meetup, but I met one fan uh, listener, Jessica, who is a listener of ours, and she was really nice, and she approached me, and we got a picture with Melissa because she listens to Fear the Walking Dead cast, too. And oh, that's so nice. Yeah, she was really, really cool. So, hey, Jessica. And then I already talked about the whole John Carroll Lynch thing. Oh, um, yeah. I, I was going to talk about the panels here, but I already talked about that. And um, when oh, one thing I didn't mention with Jeffrey DeMunn and Lori Holden, I told Lori on stage how I was on set during the season two finale as a zombie and that I there was one scene where Andrea was shooting a lot of zombies and I kept trying to get over into her line of fire because it would have been an honor to be shot by her. <laughs> but <laughs> I such a lovely thing to say. couldn't quite make it over there. Yeah. And uh, she goes, well, I'll shoot you sometime. And I, I, which I thought was a little <laughs> flirtatious. Uh, I handed her my pen and she pretended to stab me. So that was pretty fun. <laughs> oh, that's great. And oh man, Walker Stalker cons have neat moments. Like yeah. That. Well, there was another one that was really cool on that panel. Jeffrey DeMunn and Laurie Holden both don't watch the show anymore. They say they don't have TVs. Um, I think Laurie Holden just doesn't want to, you know, it's too painful. But anyway, they don't know what's going on. And so um, I told them both, hey, did you realize that your characters are evoked on the show sometimes still? Yeah. They're like, no, what? I go, yeah, how like Glenn said to Enid recently, you know, that uh, yep. if you hold these characters with, or uh, people with you, then they're still alive and yeah. named off Andrea and Dale. And also how Glenn, uh, when he fixed the RV, we knew it was because Dale had taught him and we all cried about that. And they were both choked up by that. Oh, that's like, really nice. Oh, that is so great. You know, that is great. they're happy that, you know, we didn't just forget about him. So that was, oh, that was really cool. That's <laughs> lovely. Yeah, that was a good panel. Um, the last thing I wanted to mention about that is, this is a little joke, but there's this guy, Arnold Bloomberg. Some of you guys might know him. He does a podcast called, I think, Doctor of the Dead. Super cool guy. He's a PhD who teaches zombie classes and wrote a book about 80 zombie movies where he reviewed them and explained <laughs> how the zombies work in each of the movies and stuff. Cool. So he comes to these uh, when we do New Jersey or Philly sometimes and he'll talk and moderate some panels. So I did a panel with him as the as the focus talking about zombies and pop culture. And this girl came up and said, asked, you know, oh, what, how come on Walking Dead they don't ever talk about there being a cure? What, what what do you think about that idea? And so he talked about it a little, how they sort of did go in that into that on the CDC episode. But then Kirkman later said that was his biggest regret because he didn't want people to think that that's the way the show was going to go. And then right at the end, I said, you know what would be great is if they had a cure, they finally found a cure to cure zombieism, but then it turned people into werewolves. <laughs> that's great the people in the audience laughed but the girl looked like i was making she thought i was making fun of her which i wasn't no. i felt so bad <laughs> i'm like it was a good question really <laughs> i just couldn't funny. help myself no no that's absolutely the sort of thing you would say to me too i know <laughs> yeah see mm -hmm. anyway that's all i have to say about anything well when's the next uh walker stalker con for you um good question uh no, they're doing one in boston but i have weezer tickets so i'm not going to that then <laughs> philadelphia is october early october 
But nice. there's going to be a fan fest in San Jose in August. Mm-hmm. And oh, you... you know what else? There's a there's a totally uh, charity. What all proceeds go to charity in September in Orlando because of one <gasps> yeah. of these tragedies that's happened lately. I think it, right. I can't even remember which one. The one where all the people got shot. Yes. So I'll probably go to that one and just donate. You know, my time to that. Yay! Yeah. Good. All right, that is our show, episode 225. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Super fun. Uh, if you mm-hmm. want to call us, you can call at 650-485-DEAD. That's 650-485-3323. You can email us at brains at podcastica.com. You can find us on the web at podcastica.com or facebook.com slash deadcast. And yeah, go on there and look at all the TV shows that everyone likes. Um <laughs> Next episode, I would like to report on the Comic-Con news because there's going to be big panels from Fear the Walking Dead and The Walking Dead. And, I think that's a good idea. And recently, I, I just had this fun idea, so I posted on Facebook. All right, which Walking Dead character would you want for a roommate? Oh, nice. <laughs> Not in the zombie apocalypse, just normal. Yeah. And got a lot of great answers. I was going to put it in this episode, but it's already stuffed to the gills. So I it thought we really could... is. But we do probably have room for something else. So may... let's look into Hidden and see if it looks like a winner. Okay. So the next time we'll talk about undead roommates. Yeah. <laughs> no, which Walking Dead character you would want for a roommate? Why couldn't it be a zombie? You you want to have this discussion right now? <laughs> <laughs> We'll talk next on next uh, next episode. We'll discuss why you why wouldn't want to live wants with a, a zombie, zombie for a roommate. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see Sean? Uh, uh, what's it called? Sean, Sean of the Dead. Of the dead. Yeah. <laughs> you don't they're even very, play video games. They're very good at video games. Oh, well, <laughs> they could hang out with me. Maybe we could crochet. They have a crochet group. Teach you. Yeah, I'm sure they'd uh, make some great cozies. They'd be <laughs> fucked up, man. <laughs> a zombie cozy. I don't even know what a cozy is. <laughs> I don't really know either. <laughs> All right, we'll find that out too. A brain cozy. We'll <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's our show. Thanks for listening. Don't, don't get, get bit, Mad Thompson. Thompson. You know what? <laughs> I kicked the. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's fucked up. It's fucked up, but I, I kicked that fucking <laughs> into the creek yesterday. <laughs> It was useless. I kicked that fucker into the creek. (laughs) I fucking hate this kiddo.